Welcome to Death Readers. I'm Doug. I'm Rob. This is episode 95 of Death Readers, the podcast where we're reading through books for the first time. In this episode of Death Readers, we're going to be reading through Ready Player One chapters 23 through 32. If this is your first time... Through 31. Through 31. I just want to make sure, because that's what you wrote wrote down last time, and I've got my little circle through the 32. Did you read 32? Nope. Better not have. You read 32, I did not. I didn't. Son of a bitch. I didn't. I swear to God. Mother. Mm. Look, look. My my bookmark in my, my, my copy. Look. I didn't move it. I can't believe... I can't trust anything you say anymore. It's on 32. That means I haven't read it. Why would I bookmark a place I haven't read? Why? Why would I? I just... I need some time to think. It's 32. Um, through Mother was right about you. Through 31. <laughs> if this is your first time listening, yes, I got it wrong. If the way we do this podcast is uh, <laughs> we're going to be reading through these chapters um, page by page. We're taking notes. And then we'll discuss them together as they come up uh, to give an insightful, analytical, and maybe even fun look at a book you may have read or have no interest in reading, but we'll read. Just do it. Read the book. Read the book. We encourage you, if you are listening along, to read the books with us. Read these chapters, then come back and listen to the episode and go, oh, wow, I hadn't thought of that. Or, that's so funny. Or, I'm going to unsubscribe. Any one of those things, like is something you could think while listening to the show. Did I miss anything? No. Is there housekeeping? Yes. Oh. Oh, yeah. Bum, bum, bum. So in last episode, when we had our very insightful and uh, I won argument about whether Mario was Italian or Japanese, I cited an example to try to broaden your mind. I don't think it worked. Um, I said, was the Highlander Scottish? <laughs> So hold on a second. I want to pause you real quick and ask yeah. you, are you about to try to win one argument by insisting you want a different argument and therefore, which wasn't the point, and therefore winning the previous argument through osmosis? I have am no I, idea what you're saying I, right now. I have I, no idea what you're saying. Am I picking that up a little I, bit? We'll have to figure this out afterwards. I think I'm right. Uh, I did misword that. I said, um, what's the Highlander's nationality? That, that's how I said that. Because Russell Mulcahy, the director, was not Scottish. He's Australian. However... I thought that was unfair. And so I went and looked into the writers. Gregory Wyden, who wrote the screenplay, and the two, or they came up with the idea, and then the other two screenwriters who helped him out, Peter Bellwood, Larry Ferguson, none of them Scottish. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. I, I mean, I feel bad for you. Because it's like you just don't understand what I'm talking about. <laughs> Understanding is not important to this conversation what is important is i just i didn't want to saddle russell mulcahy entirely with the film that is highlander he did a lot i i recognize that but he wasn't the sole progenitor of it and i just wanted to make that right also mario's italian it was a very contentious episode and i don't want to like get back into it because it was frankly it was hard to listen to <laughs> it was hard to to hear someone be so wrong and, and and then look in the mirror and realize that someone was yourself that was that was your experience then okay that's good to hear <laughs> nuts i'm I, it's, it shows a lot of growth and i appreciate that so uh so I, i'll um i mean i i think that i did a really good job of finally cracking down your glacial 
acceptance of certain things. And oh, that's true at all. Well, I, I don't think that's, I feel like that's bad for you. <laughs> and that's, that's just something I have to live with. And then the audience shouldn't have to, the audience shouldn't have to suffer through it also. You got, you got anything else you want to toss around no, that, that was <laughs> in it. your, that was in your, in your little it. office space? You got, you want to, you want to push that WD-40 bottle and makes any more, more Foley sounds? Hey, it's just compressed air. No, the one behind you. I can't because it's got a little Shogun helmet on it. Wow. Can you see, can you see that? That is a Samuroil. <laughs> you know what? That was impressive. I'm going to give you one argument point for that. <laughs> you live in such a strange world. Everyone keeps saying shit like you that. You live such, an, such a strange mentality. Anyway... So, uh, I'm glad that there was no housekeeping, except for Russell Mulcahy has been revenged. Remember the screenwriters, folks. That's all I'm saying. So, without any further ado, does that bring us into the show? Does that yes, bring does. us into chapter 23? See, I didn't screw it up that time. I, no, I didn't. I like, it's really, the first one's the hard one for me. Cause it shows I, a lot of growth for you. Because I can't say, like... Because throughout the rest of the show, I can say that brings us to it because, like, we've already been moving. But how do you start the right. first one? What, what, what do you say to the first step you take? I'm not going to teach you how to segue. It's not An segueing. Italian word. This isn't segueing. That's a word Mario probably uses a lot. Unless he wants to say we segue, that'd be seguamo. just I, I just like i said earlier i just feel so bad for you at this point like i don't want i i like i don't want to bully you into accepting that you're wrong because it feels like that acceptance would be too painful for you you're fighting really hard against it and that's okay like you you deserve to have the place in your life where you can be wrong <laughs> without having people have to come in and like forcibly convince you of things that you would have no benefit from. Like you, 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 you would have no appreciation of these pearls of wisdom. So it's just probably best to let you, you know, without being a bully, without being a bully saying you, you, you should just live in your uh, proverbial swamp or muck or slop. And I'm okay with that. And I think it's the the best thing for everyone. I'm going to remember that you said that. I don't know if you a, will. I feel a very, I... very long time. Why? <laughs> because it's recorded? Chapter 23. <laughs> um, what? <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like that was one of those like vague threats that you like to make, but also means nothing. <laughs> And it's not like I've ever heard those before. <laughs> You're so threatened. <laughs> um, okay, so... Consider yourself threatened. I only have an overview for this. Um, I don't have... really. The, the most specific note I have here is... Uh, I kind of feel that in a worldwide MMORPG, rare magic items would be a lot more rare than they seem to be in this book. Well, 
well, well, well. So, um, when it comes to scarcity in gaming, hmm. uh, one of the problems becomes often in like in most games. Uh, like if you're talking about MMOs like WoW, or you're talking about uh, something like like Magic: The Gathering, where you have physical objects that you're actually hunting for or paying a lot of money to obtain because there's a actual physical scarcity of the thing. Okay. Um. The more popular the the system gets, like the 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 gaming system itself becomes, the more of those items have to occur so that people will play the game more. Like, you have to have... Every player has to have essentially an equal climb of of investment and reward. So, if a player buys 15 Magic the Gathering packs, and they don't get a single Mythic Rare card, they're gonna feel like they were cheated... Because that same amount of money, or as money is an equivalence of value of time spent, of labor, they could have spent the equivalent of that on just getting the thing they wanted anyway on the secondary market. Or un- some- or do something else with their life and time. So in order to not completely cut the legs out from under, from under your like system, in this case the Oasis, you have to give people scaling incentives for their investment so that the deeper you get in you still get that dopamine hit when you get a cool thing so if you're talking about like rare items in the real world yeah they're extremely rare and they're extremely valuable and there's they're not like made the same way in 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 digital versions i feel like the problem that i hear you saying is like ernest klein himself has a failing of world building here where these he he pitches these items like they are like epic tier wow items. He he certainly writes about some of them like that. Right. And it feels like like the beta capsule there's only one of, I feel. Maybe I'm wrong. I feel like that's there's only one. See, I don't think and there's I, only and I one. guess I guess I was coming off the, well that and like the cataclyst and the tablet of finding um I feel like there's one or or very few of those but then i guess that's i was applying that thought process to wade's tele ring of teleportation do we want to say what happens in this chapter well that's what i mean my overview is essentially the summary so i probably probably could go through that what should we, when we go through that so the summary is uh wade solves all the problems of zork <laughs> yep. uh, and successfully obtains the jade key with almost no difficulty is he a mary sue now no okay also, um, Daito was removed from the leaderboard. Does that mean he's dead? That's question my question. That may have to be answered here coming up. At the end of this chapter, that was my answer. My question. I don't know how else to describe what happens. Like, no, that's that's pretty much he. Without he, just he, reading the chapter, right? Like, he rushes through it, grabs the key, and that that was my only other note is that it was a very rushed quest but maybe that's okay because of everything else that's going on i feel like that's one of my biggest problems with this book is okay. that these quests that he goes on feel kind of perfunctory like they feel like they're happening but the fact that they're happening doesn't carry weight to me the reader i don't care about him discovering that the he was in an old video game that the whole point of like twice 
at least twice so far, maybe three times you could argue, Wade's quests are just play an old video game to completion. Sure. And that seems like a like a creative uh, vacuum. Like, it's empty. Well, the first ones they spend a lot more time with to get the key, but then the key usually leads to a gate, and more happens there. But, the, and, it's, but it, it's the same things. Like it's Sure, sure, but it also is more rushed and sped through as it seems like the perspective of the game, or the, of the book, shifts. Sure, sure. What I'm saying is, like, I'm losing interest in here. It's, it's like the problem when... You watch someone else play a video game, except mm-hmm. now it's worse because I'm reading about somebody else playing a video game. Mm-hmm. So at least while it's not as visually interesting as watching someone else play a video game, it takes less time. Sure. So in that sense, like it's pros and cons, but I just feel like I it's it, it, I wish I, I expect I had higher he- expectations for these puzzles, I guess. Oh, God. Like, I expected them to be more like like the one with the Captain Crunch whistle and the in the Zork that kind of works. But he keeps going back to this well of just play through this video game. I like all the way through if he I mean, I don't know where I think we end up getting there, but like I'm pretty sure he plays through up to this point. He plays through Dungeons and Dragons, Pac-Man, Zork. And the whole movie of War Games. Right. I think at this point, that's where he's at. He does more right. of the same thing later. He, he True. Like, coming up, he'll play through another video game, and that's the thing. So, that feels, like, cheap to... Just uninteresting. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know how else to describe it. Like, if you're... Mm. If you're like, Kingdom Hearts. You ever played Kingdom Hearts? A little bit. So if people, if you don't know what Kingdom Hearts is and you're listening, Kingdom Hearts is a video game from like 20 years ago, damn it, that's like you play a character who enters a world that melds all of the Disney properties together. You could talk about Lego Dimensions. You could talk about any game that does this same sort of thing where you're merging characters from a larger property well, like the Disney World properties or... Um, in the in the case of Lego Dimensions, anything Lego has a lease to, right? Um, so, and then you have a character that enters those worlds and then can interact with Mickey and Goofy and also Luke Skywalker and also Elsa and also Moana and also uh, Sebastian. All these characters from the Di- and, and and Captain Jack Sparrow, Jack Skellington. Um, all these characters are, are available for these characters to interact with. And it feels like this meta sort of like hyper stimulating, like interaction between these characters. And that's what this book kind of is trying to be, but the, 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 or that's what the Oasis is trying to be, but the, or, or the quest is, uh, but all the things that the quest is pulling from in pop culture are just shit that Ernest Klein likes. Right, and so they're not that interest. They're not as accessible as Disney properties or Lego stuff. So you end up with like this feeling of like shrug, like I just don't really care. Like I don't, and and, it only, and again, it always comes back to it. I don't care because you're just playing a video game in front of me. You're writing about how great you sure. are in a video game. But the, I feel like the bigger message is trying to connect with somebody through their interests, somebody who's otherwise closed off. But for selfish reasons, not for, not because you want to get closer to that person. You're doing it because 
you want to win that person's money. Absolutely, but in doing so, some people learn to like that person anyway. That's what I think Wade's trying to but, do. But, but the, again, but the sad thing is you wouldn't have had that interest if that person wouldn't have paid you to be their friend. Sure, but maybe that's some, that's all some people have. That's still manipulation. <laughs> like that's I'm not still... saying it's not, but no, most I, things I, come down to manipulation. That doesn't mean it's not sad. It doesn't mean it's not like... Agreed. It doesn't mean it's not like boring to read either. Like I. Oh, that, that's a fair point. That's that, a that's, different argument. <laughs> yeah, like it's it still comes down to this is getting boring. I want. I, I guess what I wanted is more like, like like a more through the looking glass experience where you fall okay. through something and you end up in a Kingdom Hearts style adventure where you have to somehow figure out how you're going to match up this problem that exists in the Lady and the Tramp world while also only doing it as the rescuers. Something like that, like like where you're like, you have to meld these things in a creative way that is fun. Like the first quest in this book is that. you mel- He melds Dungeons and Dragons with Joust in this way that's like, that's fun, that's cool, that's interesting, I'm in. The subsequent quests are just play through this video game mm-hmm. or this or act out this movie, recite this movie line for line. And that isn't creative. That isn't exciting to me. Okay. Fair. Um so that's what I'm struggling with with this Zork thing is like if I if I wrote uh the same story and said, Well now you have to play through Knights of the Old Republic perfectly in one playthrough because I liked that game when I was in high school. Like that wouldn't be fun to read. You just read, I, you, it would just be like, I played through Knights of the Old Republic. I had a little difficulty with this and this other thing. Oh boy. If you played the game, you'd know that was a tricky one, but I made it through unscathed. Perfect score. It's like, what am I reading? (laughs) (laughs) Those, those are really fair points. Uh, so anyway, that's, that's where this chapter like really starts to let me down. I, like if the riddles meant something like, but like let's say you have okay, so let's say you have a riddle that the answer to it is that you have to like work your way through the uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark tomb by completing like trivia questions or completing like some sort of like other like challenge. And then the end of it, like when the when the, the sliding stone door opens and you see that it's the it's the it's the raider's tomb and the golden idol is sitting there, but the golden idol is a golden idol, but it's not the idol from the movie. It's actually uh like the it's a different, you know, uh MacGuffin. It's a different thing that's related to a the puzzle or the the, the riddle. And uh, like, like, let's say it's the golden snitch because we had to start it as a Harry Potter podcast. Like, you have to find the golden snitch in the in, and you have to get through Raiders to get there, and that's the thing you take. But the trick is, it's actually just floating and flittering. It's not actually weighing on the on the pressure plate. Well, that seems like a trap still because it's not moving out of the pressure plate zone. It's still circling just above the pressure plate. Right. What happens? What do you do? Like, something like that. Like, or you just you 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 push the things together. And this one, like. It tries to do that, but like, just saying the kitchen had a Captain Crunch whistle in the the cereal box doesn't feel like much. Like it, it's kind of clever because that's the thing about hacking history and computer history, and I like that. But like, it feels tacked on. 
Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel integral to the puzzle. The puzzle is just, I was talking about Zork. That's not a riddle. Anyway. Fair. I'm, I'm just I'm just bummed about it, and I, I feel like I'm not expressing it well, but I probably am doing fine. <sighs> do you have anything else to say about that chapter? I do not. Let's get the fuck out of this chapter. What's the next one? Chapter 24. All right, summary here. In this chapter, Wade wallows in despair as more Sixers climb the leaderboard and boot the high five out of the top ten. Wade explains that when the Sixers find the egg and uh, win, he's going to kill himself by jumping off his apartment building. Then Shoto calls Wade and explains he needs to deliver an item Daito left Wade in his will. Wade is confused about why Daito couldn't just make a new avatar. Shoto explains... He'll clear things up when they speak in person. Do you have anything to say about this chapter besides that? Um, well, first of all, just get it out of the way. I thought it was legitimately surprising how quickly Sorrento went up the ranks, achieving key and gate and just making kind of an oh shit moment for the stakes that have been established. Yeah. Um, and then my next notes, just the word suicide. You want to talk about suicide? I mean, what do you? How do you feel about Wade's plan? In the context of the world he lives in, is that a reasonable reaction to his events? Uh, I mean, I don't know if. if 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 i if i have any authority to say yes or no to that um cuz i feel like that could ta- that could be tacitly like endorsing suicide because you lost a video game and i wouldn't want to do that so you agree with that he should kill himself i'm cutting that don't worry <laughs> <laughs> um uh i mean do you not want to talk about suicide at all it's tough because if I want to, if I talk about suicide, I'm just going to talk about how I think it's okay. Uh-huh. Um, and I don't feel like that's an okay thing to say. I feel like we don't live in a, in a world where people are allowed to say that it's okay to kill yourself. Um, I mean, I think that it's like one of those things where it's like, it's a thing that you should. Here's okay. This is not for the show. This is just me no, telling fair you. Enough. Uh, no one's asked to be born. So why should anyone be compelled to do it? Why should anyone be compelled to live? I I have, I don't, it's sad when someone feels they have no other option. Mm -hmm. And And it's sad when you lose someone you care about to suicide. Sure. And, 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 and and to be specific, and it's murky, like you're saying, um, if it's an emotional thing, that like, oh, I've lost all my money, mm. and it's and, and and you know a thing like that. I feel like that could probably be getting over. Please talk to somebody, you know. But if it's stage four cancer or Alzheimer's, and I just don't want to have that shitty life, I support you. I mean, like, I also think that there's a lot of people. Like, those those are always the altruistic ones people bring up. I look at it like, you know, there's people in the world who are like rapists, and there are people in the world who, who are like child molesters, and uh, 
sometimes there are people who sell their children into sex slavery so that they can buy drugs. Um, those people could and probably should have suicidal thoughts. And I would be really okay with those people killing themselves. See, because I, I look at it. I don't disagree so much. You don't but have to just... agree or disagree. I don't want you to feel compelled well, to. We're having a conversation, though, so I'm going to you, give you my fair enough. response. I, I, I want, what I'm saying is your response is fine. Your, your response is welcome. I want to alleviate you from feeling like you're somehow obligated to weigh in on that. Now, oh, no. Okay. I want to weigh in. Okay. Um, I, I, don't know how to, I don't know how to weigh in. <laughs> I, I, I that just has that 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 ring of vindication to it, where it's like your own vitriol turned into some kind of vengeance. Where like those people should commit suicide. Yeah. Okay, they should. That'd be great, but oh no, no, I mean they're that not they're, going to. Mm, that's not entirely true. Uh, that's the thing I mean. Like there, there are people who have done things like that and do feel remorse about it and get involved into a horrible mental health cycle where they start abusing substances to compensate for probably being victims themselves, mm-hmm. um, and then then they are biologically compelled to. Uh, maintain and do whatever they can do to maintain that addiction that is only in place because they had bad coping mechanisms to deal with their own trauma. So then they get into adding new problems to their lives, which involve addiction and the things you need to do to maintain addiction and all that stuff. And sometimes that can result into these other things. And sometimes those people who aren't really bad people, they're not the super villains or fairy tale, like, witches that that people want them to be they're Mm -hmm. actually just victims that are like in too deep into a fucked up life um and cannot find like they they, just because of the way the human brain works it's just it seems like unlikely biologically that they will find a way out of this cycle um removing themselves from the cycle is the fastest way to prevent other people from being hurt you can't sometimes you just can't fix a broken person and sometimes a broken person can't fix themselves. And sometimes broken people who can't fix themselves only continue to hurt other people, which perpetuates cycles of violence and abuse. So if those people are feeling guilty about all of that, and again, this isn't for the episode, um, unfortunately, because it's, it's, this is not an okay opinion to have, um, because the world's not ready for it. Like the bottom line is, it's just like, people aren't ready to hear this. Um, those people like society as a whole would probably be better without them, but that isn't what people like to hear. So it's not okay to say it. So I want you to say the phrase, please, please kill yourself. Well, you sounds like you've said that and I'm not going to, but you agree with me. No, I don't. Cause I don't know who you're talking to and there's no circumstances that in, there's no context. You've just said a blanket statement. And plus wow. if I was saying, I would be saying it to you, which I don't want you to kill yourself. So we're not going to talk about suicide. Well, we should talk about suicide. We should okay. talk about like we we should talk about like the circumstances in this story where Wade 
here, here's what's important to talk about in with this in relation to the book, just so you can have a space. Sure. Um, it sort of speaks to the awfulness of the world that Wade lives in. And I think that's worth talking about the idea that we already know that some people have been going up to the roof. He's talked about in this chapter that people go up to the roof of his apartment weekly, it seems to kill themselves because the world is so awful. And I feel like that's a world we're, we're inching towards. I feel like we're three, one- three people moved since he moved in, I believe. Right. Pe- people are, we, we have a, the first world's crumbling in a way that's very real and also preventable, mm-hmm. but uh, in a way where the income inequality has dramatically increased to such gargantuan proportions that there are people who are realizing they are trapped in a treadmill of uh, essentially compelled, You, I'll say compelled labor because it's not technically forced labor, but what's the alternative? We don't have social safety nets to protect people who choose not to take part in a capitalist system, which mm-hmm. we could easily afford to do. Um, or choose to take part in a way that would like, they would, they would feel more content doing like, uh, volunteering or farming or doing some sort of like, uh, you know, something else that would be helpful for our society, but isn't going to help them eat, uh, or have health insurance. And so like the longer we don't have those things, the longer we have a worse society, because we, the longer we have more unhappy people who would be happy doing very menial things, as long as their base, like elements of their lives are taken care of. Like if someone wants to, um, if someone wants to work at like a gym and be a lifeguard that they should not, they should feel absolutely no like problem with that. If it makes them content, that should be the number one priority for people. And for anyone to come in and tell that person that they should feel bad about that or that they should like, they, they should there's an expectation for some reason that that person should be doing quote more is uh i think insensitive and none of that anybody else's fucking business so like right but we live in a world where the person who does that is going to have a hard time affording a home on their own because that job won't pay that much so if we had social safety nets to let people who want to do those jobs and are happy doing those jobs do them they can they'll still make money but they'll also not have to worry because the hyper rich in the in the country will have to pay their fair share. So these people will get, in a perfect world, a uh, little things taken care of, like health insurance. It would be a huge one. Uh, a livable minimum wage would be another huge one, and it would make a lot. It would make our country, it would make the quality of life in our country go up dramatically, and we could actually have the best country in the world. We don't. So this world that Wade lives in is the world we're headed to. A world mm-hmm. where those people aren't allowed to do those things. They're forced to work in essentially forced labor camps. That's what a lot of jobs are. You don't get good benefits. You don't get treated well. You get tough work and no appreciation or respect in just aggravation because most people in our country are bummed out. Most of the, the population is upset and they don't know why because they're too stupid and disconnected from like the situation that's happening to see it. And then if they did, if they did, they might actually be able to change it, but they get easily distracted by conspiracy theories and other bullshit and don't take like the right kind of action or actively fight against their own self-interest. So we are working towards this reality where people are killing themselves a lot because our reality sucks and there's not enough any individual can do to change it. 
mm-hmm. um, for the positive. There's a lot of things individuals can do to change it for the negative. And most of it has to do with grifting and uh, scams and long cons and preying on others. Yes. <clears throat> it's harder to do the opposite, to do something that's very uh, altruistic, beneficial for the for society and popular. In, in the way that will get it done. It can be popular in the masses. Like Medicare for all is extremely popular. It won't happen because lobbyists have bought people off so that they won't do it. They won't pass it in, in our, uh, our government. So in the Oasis, in, in the world of Wade Watts, those people are living in a reality that's very much like the future that we will live in if none of this stuff changes, where uh, frequent suicides are normal. Um, more normal than they are now. And it's this kind of thing where no one cares about it. It's like, it's like I mentioned in the last episode, it's like school shootings. Like before COVID school shootings were happening all the time. And it got, it was getting to that point where it was like, Oh, another one. I guess I don't care. I'm growing desensitized to this loss because there's never any action. These people, Americans just keep dying. Children just keep dying. And our law, like our lawmakers are making, no changes to protect our people and they keep getting reelected. How does this happen? It's agonizingly despairing. What there's and that's no way exhausting. out. You yeah, have and to it's, desensitize. It's, yeah. Because if you don't desensitize you, I'll fucking kill myself. You know what I mean? You'll just jump off of your building because it's just, you can't, if you, you can't, you can only feel so much of other yes, people's misery. Yes. Yes. Um, Remember in Fifth Element when, uh, yeah, when when Lilu reads about war, mm-hmm. and she feels all of that destruction and that loss of life and that sadness all at once, and it just destroys her. That's what we all are fighting against feeling ourselves when we see children get shot down by people who like to shoot at gun ranges. <laughs> That's not fair. When when they get shot down by people who abuse the freedoms that people who like to shoot guns at gun ranges fight to protect. And those gun range people can't see the difference between like how we could curtail this and not infringe upon your rights. We could do that, but they're so they've been so like lied to by their, by their, the people who claim to be fighting for their rights, who are really fighting for a lobby and an industry that any sort of regulation means a loss of freedom that they blindly just reflexively believe that. So like the world Wade Watts lives in is the world where people have mastered turning off that pain. Part of what they've mastered in, with doing that is the Oasis. The Oasis offers them this utopia where they can escape their shitty realities and move to a place where they get to be superheroes or they get to be sexy or they get to be like, People will judge them for the like, you know, the way that their mind works or the way they speak or the way they they interact as opposed to how they look or how much money they have. Um, and when the I think what happens in this world is when and what Wade's saying is when if the gunt is over, that's all he's living for. He, all of his family is dead. He has no reason to keep living. He doesn't seem to enjoy life in the real world that much the gunt itself is the only thing keeping him going. Also, he's lost Artemis. Right. And so like, if that's over, what, what will he, what would be the point of him continuing to exist? And so like in his world, like I got to say, like, I get it. I can, I can understand why his character would do that. It's sad. And it's, you can empathize. It's, I can empathize. And it's sad to think about how 
there are people in our world who feel the same way. Hopefully not about video games, but, um, you know, that there are people who do have those feelings and that, but for the reasons that it seems like the other people who were killing themselves in the book might have them like deeper, harder reasons. Like for example, uh, I wonder and like you know, people who were the indentured servants at the at IOI, like which we haven't got to, we haven't got to yet. But like in a world where that's a possibility of something that like that could happen to you in your life, let's say you go into debt to IOI, and before they can come get you, you just kill yourself. Mm-hmm. Problem solved? Probably not. They might arrest a family member. Who knows? Like it's it's like that's a world that's so awful that I can understand why escaping it through suicide would be a popular thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, like I could, I could, pro- I could see that projected in a real world way and see, and, and it, it feels believable. I guess that's what I mean. Like it feels believable. Sure. Um, so, you know, please call someone for help. If you're feeling suicidal, I, I know we don't have actual listeners, but like in my fantasy denial world where my life isn't terrible, and I can imagine that we have a hit podcast or people listen to it. Um, someone who's listening might be feeling bad and I don't want them to, or feeling suicidal. And I don't want them to hear me talk about that and think that it's me suggesting that they should take negative action or harmful action on their lives. And they, cause they absolutely should not go find help, and, talk to someone, figure out. And to, re- to recontextualize that to the actual real listeners who are real and we do have, you are real persons and we do acknowledge you also seek help I don't <laughs> if you need that. it. That's, I won't go that far. Ugh. I just, I mean. Does that mean, but you're the guy who thinks Mario's Japanese. Real or fake, these people should get help that is real. And be heard for the real person that they are. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't even feel like I'm a real person, but I'm, and I'm not being heard. So what's the difference? Uh, that's a great place to pause it so I can run to the restroom. Fine. I had too much water. All right. <laughs> Are you done with that chapter? You know what? I am done with that chapter. Well, thanks for making me talk about suicide. And that brings us to... Chapter 25. What happened in this chapter, Doug? Uh, Shoto and Wade discuss Daito's death. They sh- which So I was right, he died. They share with each other their real names. And Wade accept, uh, accepts Daito's wish that Parzival carry the beta capsule. Then, they part ways, I guess. On to the next chapter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically. We learn that Daito has actually been murdered. That he, uh, that that Nolan Sorrento and IOI, having been murderous in the past, uh, found a way into to learn who Daito is as a real person. Broke into his apartment and threw him off his apartment building, uh, very much in the way that like Wade was talking about he would do in the other chapter, which may have kind of been foreshadowing may have been a way to, Hmm. to justify that this is a thing that would happen in this world. And people like I was saying, uh, would be accepting of it because it would be very reasonable for someone to kill themselves in this horrible world that Wade lives in, which is 
maybe clever writing. It could be a reason why that whole last chapter existed. Mm-hmm. And we learned that uh, Daito and Shoto are not actually brothers, uh, biologically at least. Um, they found each other and formed a family. They chose each other. We we got to hear and see the the uh, see a recap of how Daito died in the Oasis and in real life, which is worse. But at least in the Oasis, he got to go out a hero. He got to turn into Ultraman, use the Beta Capsule, and defend Shoto's uh, getting of that what Jade Key. Mm-hmm. And uh, before being killed in real life and then uh, losing all access to his powers in the game. And then his character depowered from Ultraman and got shot to death. And I kind of thought that the beta capsule would be a one-time use thing, but then Shoto went and grabbed it and now Wade's going to have it. And I'm presuming Wade's going to use it again. Um, Cause why else, why would they keep mentioning it? It's just it's, either it happens again or somebody uses it or something, but it's coming back and I just want more variety in my nerdery. I want more variety in these references. Ultraman's cool, but, like, come on. Are you done? Almost. <laughs> uh, you got anything else to say about this chapter? Well, uh, in honor of being given the beta capsule by Shoto. Oh, yeah, that. Toe, uh, Wade gives him a sword. A Masamune sword. Masamune. Do you know who Masamune is? Yes. Who's Masamune? He's an amazing swordsman. He's a guy who created these... remarkably well-crafted swords. Uh, He would Mm -hmm. fold them so well that they were said to be uh, layers that were atoms thick. Mm -hmm. Um, Which I mean, it's just a byproduct of folding swords. That's not impressive, but go ahead. Um, They were so well-crafted and so amazing that when the United States soldiers came to Japan and uh, occupied it after World War II, one of the things that the United States soldiers did was they decided to remove uh, all weapons from able to, uh, they removed the right to possess weapons from Japanese citizens. And that included uh, ceremonial and or ancestral swords. And what would happen is they would have to go to the docks or go somewhere and forfeit these weapons that were often heirlooms and had great significance and often amazing works of art that are like irreplaceable. And the soldiers would either melt them down into, like, their raw materials or take them home as souvenirs. Sometimes uh, uh, family members or just anybody could run to the places where they were and sneakily perhaps purchase them back from these uh, American soldiers for amounts that were far less than they were actually worth because the American soldiers didn't know they were holding priceless heirlooms or, like, culturally significant pieces of art. The Masemune swords were some of those swords that were taken and, and confiscated, and many of them lost to history. Is that enough? Do do I do I know the swords enough? Not quite. Okay, what else am I missing? Do you know who else Masemune is? Are you talking about Masemune Date? I don't, tell me. Masemune Date was a, uh, I believe, a shogun in Japan, uh, known as the, I think, the, like the One-Eyed Dragon. Um He's pretty cool. He's a he's a guy who was a, a great warrior who is said to have had have ripped out his own eyeball because it was like wounded or something, and he and he he didn't want it to be a weakness in battle, so he ripped it out himself, or he had somebody else rip it out for him. No, that's not what I'm talking about. Oh, you're not talking about him. No. Um, are you talking about? No, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, that's only two Masamunis I know well, about. Uh, speaking of significantly cultural historic works of art, okay. 
Masamune in real life was a medieval Japanese blacksmith who made swords that you were talking about from around 1288 to 1328. But there's a fictional Masamune operating around 593 BC who made for his daughter Shikiko's husband a katana with a lion-headed handle. Is this the, is this Highlander? It's motherfucking Highlander! <laughs> <laughs> he gave that sword to his daughter's husband, who was Juan Sanchez Villalobos Ramirez, who passed it on to Connor McLeod. It all comes back to Highlander. It's one of a kind, like his daughter, Shakiko. <laughs> you know, the real Masamune. So... <laughs> question for you masamune date one of the great things about masamune date is that he had this really uh he had golden armor uh-huh and he had this really amazing like uh sh- like shogun helm like one of those like you know the, the, like like your wd-40 container sure. um and on it it had this enormous golden crescent moon that oh. looks incredible it's so badass and so terrifying and you can just imagine him charging at you in, with one of these amazing swords that possibly his ancestor or descendant would have made um or completely unrelated but as he's charging at you um like in uh lone wolf and cub he's coming at you and this this shining crescent blade on his head sparkles against the sun and blinds you and then that's what he uses he uses that slight advantage of you losing sight of him because you're blinded by his shiny headgear uh and then he just cuts you down and kills you yeah in twain yeah so you were saying Oh, so my my question to you that I pose is this completely imaginary sword made of ones and zeros that Wade presents to Shoto, is it an actual Masamune or is it a fictional Highlander Masamune? Um, what is what does Ernest Klein think? I mean, clearly he knows about the famous one, but he does like making his Highlander references. He, he talks about Highlander a lot, so my bet would, I guess, I would I would assume I would presume that the the order of that went: Ernest Klein likes Highlander. He learned about the swords from Highlander. He looked up the guy, learned he was a real guy. But the sword in the movie is in in the book is probably more akin to the Highlander one. He also calls it Vorpal. And which is, you know, <laughs> it was just, that was a funny scene for me, though, because it takes a lot of the um, uh, reverence out of the scene. He's like, oh, a Masamune. Plus, it's a plus five Vorpal. Right. That like, it like, amused me. Like it like that's. Yeah, it's <laughs> I don't know if it was intending to be amusing, but it was it amused me. I mean, I don't think it is. I think it's supposed to be honorific. Like like, like mm-hmm. a Vorpal sword in Dungeons and Dragons is probably it's like pretty high, like help, mm-hmm. like u- useful. Uh, right. it, it used to be. I don't know. But it's also a reference to uh, the Jabberwocky. Uh, it is, know, but is... since Lewis Carroll never defined what Vorpal meant, everyone kind of goes with the Dungeons and Dragons definition. Right. Which is it goes through armor? Is that what it is? I read it recently and I totally forgot what it was. I don't know, man. That doesn't I mean, matter then. It's almost like I could look it up no. right here, right now. I mean... When you uh, you gain a plus three to attack and damage rolls made with this magic weapon, in addition, the weapon ignores resistance to slashing damage. That's pretty good. So that's like what you're saying cuts through anything. Yeah, it like, is. Like there's creatures that are like, I, I'm resistant to slashing damage. It's like not with a Vorpal sword, you're not. When you attack a creature that has at least one head with this weapon and roll a d20 on the attack roll, you cut off one of the creature's heads. The creature dies if it can't survive with the without the lost head. A creature is immune to this effect if it is immune to slashing damage. 
doesn't have a need doesn't have or need a head has legendary actions or the gm decides that the creature is too big for its head to be cut off with this weapon such creatures instead take an extra 6d8 slashing damage to the hit that's a lot so it's you know kind of awesome they're legendary weapons vorpal swords are legendary in DD, which means they're probably very hard to to get and would be very expensive well that brings us to chapter 26 what do you think is sharper a masamune sword yeah. or a hattori hanzo sword I like the little sunny chiba you spin you through on there. The little sunny chiba sauce. I was, I was, I'm down with that. I'm actually gonna go with Hanzo. I feel like he's got secret arts uh, passed down through time, but he's also got the benefit of more modern technology. Cool. Yeah. I'm gonna read my note before I read the summary in chapter 26. I, I have okay. a note that tells myself to do that. Okay. Uh, also, do you have notes in this chapter, or do you just have I've got here? one note, and it's really more of a comment. All right, okay. Page 250. Okay. It's about what... It's about before Wade figures out what the test is. He's, like, super close to the test. Sure. So this is about... This, this reason this is important is because, like, this note is not proven to be valuable or important later because it's not what it is. But it's one another, another one of those examples of, I think I found a clever way to make this book better, and holy shit, Ernest Klein owes me. Okay. Page 250. The test. To explain, the thing that they're supposed to do is it says, take the test to continue the quest. Is that what the riddle is? To 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 continue the quest, you must take the test. But yes, basically, you're, you're, you're close. Right. That's all. I think that's it. That's there's, all there's it no, says. It's not a quatrain. It's a shitty little couplet, if that. So what it turns out to be is, the, is it turns out to be the test that... Um, Decker. Decker gives to replicants in Blade Runner. The Voight Comp test. The Voight Comp test to see if someone is a replicant or not. And it's a series of questions that are, you know, whatever. But and so I expected it to be like all the other insipid tests in this book where like he's just gonna recite the lines from the movie and prove how good of a nerd he is and then he gets to move on. It's not even that in the book. He just gets to the machine, turns it on, and puts the key in a box, and then the gate opens. It's extremely unsatisfying. Here's my pitch for how it would be so much better in every way. It's My pitch is nice, it's clean, I'll say again, it's clever, and it makes a lot of sense in the universe. Here it is. To complete the quest, you have you must take the test, whatever the fucking riddle is. Sure. You go to the Blade Runner like uh, pyramid. You sit down at the Voight Comp machine. You take the test, but it's not the test to see if you're a replicant or not. It's the Turing test. Oh. You sit down and have to prove that you're not a machine. It's a CAPTCHA. <laughs> it's a CAPTCHA, and in the first question captcha. is a is a CAPTCHA. Where you have to click and, and click on all the fire hydrants and then answer the question, I am not a robot. Like, answer the button, I am not a robot. Um, and here's here's why I, my pitch, okay? Halliday at some point would have had to figure out that someone could build an AI to play the Oasis. They could to, make to bots. To solve the riddle, yeah. Right, they could make bots to run through these things and play these avatars like the Sixers are basically doing. And I don't remember if there's any explanation for how they get around anything like that in this in this universe. This is the way. 
like you sure you can go all the way up to this thing but if you can't pass the turing test your avatar gets deleted all your stuff deleted you get booted out you don't that that avatar is gone mm-hmm. start it start over that bot has to start over or whatever um and it's also a way to like it would be a really clever way to how for holiday to ensure that no ai beats his test just the, like same reason captcha exists in the real world and so they would have to sit through and it would be really compelling to hear a, to do a character study on what would this character say to those questions. How yeah, does add this a whole other dimension to the book that would be fascinating. You're absolutely you're welcome. right. <laughs> and it, it would be really cool. And so I got super excited. I was like, I got fanfic and I was like, oh, cool. It's going to be this. Nope. It's not even the thing it says it's going to be. <laughs> it's it's not even doing the Voight comp test as it, as you would expect. He just sits there and then he walks through a fucking portal and then goes somewhere completely unrelated. Ugh. Anyway, uh, my one quote or what quote? One one comment here is Blade Runner. Welp. Yeah. I don't. I don't. I've never liked Blade Runner. Uh, it's not. I, I I of course remember the scene. One of the scenes mentioned here being like. Aiden, it was on TV and being quite taken with the enhance the photograph scene. Enhance. But it is a very dull movie. Yeah, I uh, I will say that I think that Blade Runner is gorgeous and sure. beautiful. Both of them. Both of them. Both. Gorgeous and beautiful and not worth watching. No, it's... um. And I'm I'm someone who 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 went on to under certain circumstances, not across the board, but quite often like noir movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but something about Blade Runner is just it, it doesn't engage me anywhere. It's maybe it's not likable. It doesn't have fun. It's well, I think that one of the uh, to, to in in Blade Runner's defense, I guess. Sure. There are so many versions. And it's so hard to say which one you saw and which one. I feel the like good I've seen. I've, I've tried it a couple times. I've gone back a couple. This is not like a Top Gun situation where I didn't want to watch it. I didn't want to watch it. I was forced to watch. It. I'm like, yes, that sucked. Fuck you. I'm done with this because uh, now I can say it sucked and I'm done. Um, I've tried. I've tried director's cut. I've tried the other director's cut. I've tried not a director's cut, and I'm just like. There's nothing calling to me from but, this movie. I, and I guess what I'm saying is it's hard to to dismiss the possibility that that overexposure isn't also part of what is playing against your p- capacity to like it. Like, there, what I'm saying is you were robbed of the opportunity to see it fresh the best way possible because there were too many versions of it. I don't, I don't feel like that's a fair argument. I feel like if there's nothing I find interesting in the movie in the first place, then I can't see the merit in the different versions that's just fair not engaging sure sure fair enough i'm i'm saying that just because of the way film works the mm. reason you you find it not engaging may have a lot to do with editing choices no i don't think uh, that's it, it, it um, well then you should say that the thing you don't find enjoying is x like is it is it the world it doesn't is it the, engage me in what it's, ways would you expect it to engage you that it isn't it's boring it's not fun it has no lightness it's just dour the whole time okay then then, then okay then you then yeah it's very likely you won't find any way to like it however the thing i said could apply to other people who oh sure also don't not, like it and, and wouldn't see it i'm not going to knock anybody for liking it or for giving it another chance if they found themselves not liking it at some point mm-hmm yeah. But if you want to be cool like me, you'll hate it. 
well. I think that it's not a knock. It's all you need to say was said yep. in what you said. Yep. Which unfortunately I feel like really undercuts my whole point. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I wouldn't want anybody to get robbed. You're so sensitive about that word. Why I that one? All the all the other ones I I use are so much better than that one. Because it's my name. I know it's. Uh... It's like they got robbed anyway. It's like a okay, so so what happens in <laughs> in this chapter? In this uh, chapter, what the chapter we just did? We just say what happened? No, I gave a note. I didn't do the summary. Oh, that's the summary. Like that beginning. I explained that I was going to read my note before reading the summary. For good reason. So you're, you're so combative. I'm, I'm being attacked, is what people don't understand. Is that I'm just trying to move this, the the podcast forward, and someone is standing in front of me, with a with a, a bunch of needles poking me, going, "How come you're you not moving the podcast forward? You shall not pass. How, how come you're not moving the podcast forward? Why don't you just move it forward? You say you want to move oh, it no. forward. Why aren't None you shall it? pass. That's what I meant to say. So, summary of this chapter. Okay. Wade figures out that the silver foil paper that came with the jade key is a reference to Blade Runner. Mm. Uh, he says the activation word unicorn, and the paper turns into the origami unicorn from the movie. Huh. And then he realizes the test is a is the replicant test. The test in the clue, clue is, the, is the Voight uh, Kampf test. Um he realizes that the the building where the test machines exist in Blade Runner are actually exist as a prefabricated template building you could put on any of your own general like worlds that you create in the Oasis. So there's thousands of them out there. Presumably they all do the same thing and function the same way. So he feels like he's going to have easy and open access to one of them. So he flies to a planet with the nearest one and he goes there and he gets the he gets access. He goes through a series of like, oh, I'm definitely fighting guys on my way in, but it's like, it's not compelling. It's not like actually scary. You don't feel like he's gotten anything through that. It's just, it's just, it's just waste. He completes the test. He inserts the Jade key and he gets transported to a a 1980s era style bowling alley, like a suburban bowling alley. Um, And he is sort of feels himself being pulled to the arcade in the bowling alley. And then in the arcade, in the bowling alley, he sees himself being physically, his his avatar being physically pulled towards the uh, Black Dragon arcade, uh, what do you call him, cabinet? Yeah, cabinet. Um, and he gets sucked in, and when he's in there, he has to play through the game Black Dragon, uh, as a through like a first-person thing that James Halliday recreated, and... Of course, this is one of those moments where Wade knew that James Halliday loved Black Dragon, and there's all this sort of retconning about where the Black Dragon poster existed. And and he was perfect at it. He is the best at playing Black Dragon. He's gone back to it so many times. Once a month, at least, I have to play this game for Stay hours. Sharp. Yeah, and I have to also watch all these movies all the time and play these you know other games I, all the time. Do you know what I have to say about that? Not yet a Mary Sue. Not yet. Man, you have a really high threshold for what is a Mary Sue. Sometimes it's just a straw that breaks the fucking camel's back. Wow. Is it an actual camel straw back? Is that what it is? Just have to wait and see. Does Joe Camel show up and he puts a little bit of straw on Joe Camel's back and he goes, Ah, my back! Oh, my spine's been rotted away from cigarette carcinogens! Ah! Is that what happens? 
No. Oh, well, that That's would be happens. cool. Um, and sure enough, once he beats the game, he gets the crystal key. And then he also wins the right to choose uh, as his prize, in addition to the, jade, the, silver, the crystal key, one of a wide variety of giant robots uh, from pop culture that he could t- then uh, presumably use as an item in the Oasis. Uh, and he his the one he chooses after scrolling through a handful and listing which ones are available, he says he chooses Leopardon, the mecha uh, piloted by Supayadaman. So, my question is, Rob, given the chance to pick a giant robot to pilot... Which giant robot does Rob choose? It's not. It's it's not going to be creative, man. They just pick it and just say it and get I'm it. I'm going to say it. It's just I I watched it a lot when I was little, and it was before I ever knew about the 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 Super Sentai uh, rivalry. I fucking it's Voltron, man. Of course it's Voltron. It's 100 percent Voltron. Cool. I love the blue lion. I would have the whole Voltron if I could. It's fucking Voltron. What about you? Well, you know, it's actually interesting that uh turns out uh Supaidaman was, was created by the same company that made Super Sentai. And Leopardon was a sort of a precursor to the same sort of style that they would end up using for their uh, large mechas in uh, Super Sentai. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, Leopardon's a little bit of a precursor to all of these things. Uh, not obviously a precursor to something like God- Gojira or, or something like that, but to the uh, Power Rangers and to the Sentai and to Voltron and to all that other stuff, uh, Leopardon's kind of like bit of an OG in that realm. There's, there's a pretty interesting documentary on Disney Plus uh, about Supida Man mm. and all that. You should check it out. I might check it if out. If you have Disney Plus, it's under Marvel 616. But go ahead. Mm. I have a feeling I'm going to hate that. No, it's just um, different documentaries about different Marvel things, and one of them is... I have a feeling I'm going to hate that. Why? Because I'm of a nerd culture that doesn't want to share my nerdery. I want to revel in the thing and feel special because I know the stuff, and other people don't know it. And it gives me agency to share my nerdery with people. And when, when my nerdery becomes so popular that it becomes the currency everyone uses it devalues my uh in my my uh in what do you call it uh investment it devalues my my uh knowledge it doesn't send it skyrocketing through the roof and you are sought after and no like so many bitcoin no because i'm not i'm not writing that fucking documentary so like but it you makes can hold sway in so many conversations where people are like, I saw this documentary, and you're like, well, actually, I know some of the real dirt. Conversations with people I hate? <laughs> conversations with people I don't want to talk to in the first place? I feel where, like that might be the, the secret there? to success. You have to. Only talk. if the people you hate talking to can bring you success. I feel like that's practice for when you talk to people you hate that can bring you success. You have to talk to the people you hate that can't bring you success and make them like you. When this is just this just where, occurred to me recently. Where are the people to talk to that would bring me success? Why can't I find them? That's that's the problem. Baby steps. Yeah, baby steps it. You're but these baby steps are circular. They're just they're just they're they're the ad nauseum. staircase going up. No, it's just going in circles. <laughs> it's spiraling outward on a flat plane infinitely. Uh, 
I feel that if you if that's how you truly feel, then that's like really sad, man. <laughs> you need to have more faith in people. That's all I'm saying. You should be like me. Sometimes I wish this was a visual show so you could see my reactions to the things you say. Because I can't <laughs> oh. verbalize them. Um, Doug shakes his head in stupefied bewilderment. Eyes why, rolling all over the room. Wide eyes, mouth he agape. <laughs> wide eyed, mouth agape. Um, his eyes darting across the room as if to look for some sort of uh, mental purchase for which to rest. Say purchase. In the maelstrom of insanity. No, it's not insanity. It's ludicrousity. Nonsensism. Fucklamity. What? <laughs> I don't know what's happening right now. Well, I think we have the episode titles. I mean, that's did you, did you have pretty solid work taken care of there. to say about Supai I Demand fucking do, goddammit. Um, well, I'm trying to get you back on track. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, well, I, I mean, I mean, not that you asked, but like, I could possibly have quite a lot to say about giant robots yeah. and the selection of them, but we should probably just move on and not indulge that and not talk about it at all. Right. Like why, why discuss something that I might care about a lot and suddenly is relevant to our show uh did uh please tell me about giant robots if you insist (laughs) (laughs) i feel like i've been trapped well here's the problem so here's the problem with the question okay the answer changes depending on what is the most valuable part about the choice am i trying to get the most powerful robot for the game is am i am i looking to get it for the game to maximize my my possibility for success which is what way was starting to do right and if that's the case you just scroll through the numbers and do the math to figure out which one of these options is the most like is the is the best tier of the available options left and you just take that one do you have some guesses of what that one might be because we know the um, Sixers already got 12. Do you, do you have any contenders for that top roll? Without doing, obviously, Matt's just off the top of your dome. Well, I mean, uh, it kind of just depends. But, like, it depends on what they've what, what like they've gone through. But there are... It also depends on what you count as a giant robot. Sure. So, like, for example, I mentioned in a couple episodes ago, like, uh, like, something like Unicron or, like, Cybertron. Like, you could go as large as literal planets... That are supposed to be robots. Okay, maybe I don't know this. Does Cybertron have more than just a spherical form? Yeah. Oh, okay. Didn't know that. I mean, I I I think it does. Pretty sure Sure. it does. So like, I would know. I'm not not a Transformer kind of guy. Yeah. In in the realms of Transformer, you could arguably have a robot that is just a planet. Mm -hmm. Um. Is that optional? Is that option available? Like that's the kind of thing. Like if that is is that kind of god level tier available in in the oasis i don't i kind of doubt it would be i kind of feel like there's there's gonna be tears but they're gonna mm -hmm. be more like balanced sure so if i take that out of there then i go with like and then the question becomes like okay well and and then then am i am i just if i'm going out of that am i going with just the most powerful available 
in which case it doesn't matter what I can imagine it would be. You're just going to take whatever one the computer tells you is the best. Sure. Um, no, but I'm, I'm asking you to, uh, I'm getting there. Okay. But you go ahead and finish your sentence. No, no, no. I want to say, I want you to get there and then I can correct you when you're wrong later or not say anything because you were right after all. No, go ahead. Nope. Okay. So, so then the question becomes like, uh, what do you consider a giant robot? Is are, are all cyborgs robots? Is Ed two hundred nine a giant robot? Is um, the is, is uh, Metal Beard from the Lego Movie technically a robot? Um, like these are all questions that would have to be pitched and and the the parameters have to be very clear. But if we're just dealing with absolutely no cyborgs, absolutely is a robot, absolutely is giant, which means larger than a building. Sure. Then, um. I would have to start with looking at the Megazords, like the Zords in the Power Ranger universe. Go there, start working on, like, figuring out which what my choices are going to be there. So we just limit it to that, not going Voltron, not going into any of the other wide variety of giant robot stories like Transformers or any of that other stuff. Just sticking to Power Rangers. If I'm just, and again, if I'm just going for the most powerful, that's kind of boring. It could be anything. So I'll, I'll ignore talking about the powerful Power Ranger Zords, because there are some that are really huge and really scary and powerful, because fiction is malleable. Imagination is uh, infinite. So, if I I think what Wade did, I think the, the, the choice, the thing you have to actually ask yourself is if you were going to make a choice the way Wade made it, which is to choose the, the giant robot that most fits you as a person, which he did he, when he picked Leopardon. Like, the idea to me is... Well, that's what you have to go with. So, if I'm being honest with myself and choosing the one that's really my my Zord, like the, the one I'm going to pick, like if I if I follow my heart, if I pick, like this is absolutely for me, like I'm in the Grail Room. I have to pick Christ's cup. Except it's my cup. It's it's a test about how. How well Much, you know yourself. How well I know myself. And if sure. I pick the wrong one, I die. Mm-hmm. And so I had to I had to have this come to Mises moment and say, the answer is, as much as I like so many of the other Megazords, so many of the varieties, so many of the different things, the answer is the White Tiger Zord. And and it's 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 just it just is that. It's it's always going to just be that. Okay, question then. Mm-hmm. White Tiger Zord is ju- just the size of like a, a a Megazord leg in its robot form, or does it have its own giant robot form? I think it has its own fully functional giant robot form that could be equivalently sized to a Megazord, which the scale gets kind of funky, but I'm pretty sure that's accurate because oftentimes the Sixth Ranger Zord oftentimes fights alongside the combined Megazord mm-hmm. of equal stature. So, like in MMPOR, uh, or PR, MMPR, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the the Megazord in, in, Power, in Mighty Morphin would fight alongside the Sixth Rangers Dragonzord, which was of, of equivalent size. Sure. And then they would occasionally swap these and change different forms or whatever. So, like, the, the Red Tyrannosaur... Zord would separate from the Megazord and it would fight on its own while all the other four Zords would team up with the Dragon Zord and make the Dragon Megazord. Um, 
which looked different and did different things and whatever. Um, and then there was a way that they could all sort of combine. And then there was this uh, Brachiosaur Zord, the the transport Zord, uh, uh, Titanosaur, who would who was who had all these like arms that were big fucking like ballistic things and the and the dragon megazord would sit down on top of it and then it would just like slowly roll and shoot like fucking missiles out of itself and kill whatever the problem and then like and then you go in the off and you get tor there's this huge turtle zord that moves the zords around it just it just gets out of control but the white tiger zord is this beautiful sleek zord super cool all the fun of because here's the thing like so much is great about the white tiger zord it's so much as hard to, to like give up about it. Like for example, one of the oh God, this is a fucking rabbit hole. People have stopped listening. Um, this is the story of my life. I get on this fucking tangent and then I like people leave me. Um, the uh oh what? Look at the white tiger zord. It fucking and, rules. And you know what it reminds me of? What? Uh, the body shape of an um, the American werewolf in London. Oh, interesting. Well, that's when it's on its all fours. That's when it's on yeah, its yeah, quadruped yeah, yeah. form. When it, it looks a, like a tiger. It has a biped form, too. Okay. Um, in its biped oh. form, it could take its tail out and turn its tail into a sword. Um, <laughs> and the cool one of the cool things is that the, the White Ranger had this, uh, had this talking sword. He had this, like, cutlass mm-hmm. that would fly around. And its base, like, this is going to tie in. Had a dra- had a tiger's head at the base of its its hilt, or its its, its uh you know handle, mm-hmm. and it would a masumone. Flip, it would flip upside down and talk, and its name was Sab uh, Saba, and it would fly around and talk, and it could shoot lasers out of its eyes and stuff, and uh so the White Ranger would sit Saba in the White Tiger Zord while he was piloting it, and it would sort of like it, I always imagined it would be cool to turn like a truck's gear shift into a Saba so that you could like move it around. And, That's like, awesome. I'm a little bit of a nerd. Um, so all of that is why it's great, but here's the reason why it has to be my Zord. Because I love power Rangers. As a kid always loved the sixth Ranger. Always loved the dragon Zord, the green Ranger. When he passed, you moved into the white Ranger. The white Ranger become, became when I was a little bit older and paying more attention to it. Mm-hmm. And it became the thing I really cared about the most. And then my my dad bought this truck, and he bought me a... And this is a story I have to tell people all the time. <laughs> Not all the time, but it happens a lot. This is my own fault. But I, I... So he bought this truck. He bought a this pickup truck. It took me a long time to get my license, but eventually he gave me the truck. He said, this truck is yours. This is for you to drive. Drive this truck. And when I when the truck became mine... Uh, I got to, I, I bought myself a vanity plate for it. And the truck he got me was, it is a 2002 Ford Ranger and it's white, pure white, a white Ranger, a white Ranger. And so I bequeathed with this white Ranger that is essentially a vehicle, the thing in which you drive around that is big and white and a Ranger. Uh, chose the vanity plate TGRZRD and that vanity plate has sat on my white ranger for a decade and so for a decade I've driven around in the tiger zord in my white ranger so 
I'm always kind of cosplaying is the thing. I'm <laughs> always pretty amazing. I'm, I'm always kind of like through my whole life, mm-hmm. kind of low key incognito cosplaying as the White Ranger all the time. Um, it's it's That's it, <laughs> interesting. That's very interesting. Both that and that just makes me reflect on the one vanity plate I ever had, which. Uh, is very descriptive of my attitude towards cosplay in that very same sense. Because my one vanity plate was LSN PL8. License plate? Yeah. Like, I have to mock this thing that I'm partaking in. (laughs) I can't just have it. (laughs) Your license plate should have just been, I can't leave well enough alone. (laughs) I can't. I can't. Well enough, not good enough. (laughs) um yeah my uh i'm i'm it's one of those things where like i have a like i i need a new vehicle Mm -hmm. like there's it's not broken or anything it still drives and i still use it but it's like one of those things where like i've outgrown it i need more space i need another thing you need a new zord i do but i don't know if i could ever get rid of that car I mean, you like, don't have to get rid of the license plate. You can keep that. The license plate would never function without the car. Like, no, you'd like have to keep it on your wall or something. No, it wouldn't be. It wouldn't be worth having without having uh, the truck. Oh, I see. That's I what see. I mean. Like it. Yeah. It's it's the whole package. Like, I could keep it as a, as a like a memento, but like, I feel like one of those guys who would eventually. Like, here's the thing that sucks. I need a different kind of car, but I never want to not have a white Ford Ranger. Sure. <laughs> does that make sense? It does. Because I always want to have my, my Tiger Zord. I always want to have... It's like this weird sort of, like, comfort thing. Like, it's a vehicle I need to get rid of. <laughs> like, I, it's its value is just continuing to go down. It's a 20-year-old vehicle. It's not useful and helpful for me, but it's got this weird meta... It's a talisman. It is. It's, it's, it's like one of these few, like... Like, that car would probably be in my gunt. Like, it would be a thing that would be a, a significant part of 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 my, like, character. Because mm-hmm. I've also had to explain this to so many people. And I got to tell you, it's the kind of thing that when people notice it and when they, like, see it and they get it, they ask me about it and they go, does that say Tiger Zord? And I go, yes. And they go, awesome. Because the only <laughs> people who ever ask that already know. Because mm-hmm. no one's gonna, because the word Zord is nonsense, right? Like it, it's not, it's, it's not even derived from anything except the again nonsense name they gave to their floating head character in the TV show. So it's. Oh, I thought it was kind of a cybernetic robot way to say sore, like dinosaur sword. Zord. Perhaps, perhaps, but like the name of the floating head mentor they have is Zordon, <laughs> and so my presumption is. That. They just shortened that to call the machines that he generates for them Zords. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, I yeah. Anyway, uh, so like that's for all of those reasons. Like it's one of those things where while I'm in the the Grail chamber when I'm mm-hmm. when I'm looking at the Knight Templar and and he's like which which Zord is yours or which you know which giant robot is your giant robot? It's like there's no question. It's that one. I. He chose wisely. I wouldn't drink out of a golden cup fit for a king. No. I wouldn't. I wouldn't choose Mechagodzilla. I wouldn't choose Voltron. I wouldn't choose Gundam. A Gundam. I wouldn't choose 
any of those things, like, I couldn't. They wouldn't work. Sure. I have this weird, like, belief that because it's become such a part of my life, like, we're talking 10 fucking years in this car, like, with this license plate. It is, if it wasn't indelibly seared into my soul before, it is now. And there are other Power Rangers Zords that I would be cool with getting. Like, there's this one, like, the the Megaforce, Power Rangers Megaforce Zord, is a big pirate ship. It's this huge red pirate ship that flies through the sky, this flying galleon that mm-hmm. inside of it holds all the other smaller Zords. And when it transforms, they all just become a part of it. Um, but it's this huge, big, red fucking pirate ship. So, on, again, on its own, a huge flying pirate ship, which is already badass. And then it turns into a giant mecha. But the great thing about that series is that series of Power Rangers was super me- and Sentai, more so Sentai. The uh, the the uh, hold on, I have to, I have, I, hold on, Kaizoku Sentai Go Kaigers, uh, the the series that the the Super Mega Force was based on, are these awesome Power Ranger pirates who have like it's so fucking great. They have like cell phones that are their morphers. They have like like cutlasses and they have those little like 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 flintlock guns um they look like that oh cool uh, and uh and they and their their leader their red ranger uh his name is Gabaldon Marvelous uh which is translated into Captain Marvelous who's amazing he's this inc- he's just awesome and he the thing that they do is they have these little Power Ranger keys. So they're their own Power Rangers, but what they do, or, or Sentais, but what they do is they get access to this meta-level power where they get essentially little tiny collectible toys of all the other Sentai that have ever existed. And then they can turn those keys into some machine, some some aspect of their power, and then they get to morph into that Ranger with that Ranger's powers in a modern setting. So we're talking about Rangers from... 30 years ago that they can then absorb the powers of and and assume control of the identity of and utilize. And they, and that series dude had so that the, especially the, the go Kigers in, in Japan, they had so many awesome episodes where they would have these massive fights, these massive, like hundred, 200 Ranger battles. There was the, the movie I think was called like, the 1000 Ranger or Sentai battle or something like that. It's fucking, they're great. They're so awesome in terms of like there, if, if I ever get to hang out with you again and you give me the like, you know, freedom to make you watch something, I'll make you watch the, I'm going to fight. I would, I would totally be down with that. I would totally watch that straight up. I'm going to look up the name really quick, but you have to prepare a like 45 minute lecture about all the history I need to know going in. Okay, this is the best one. Okay. It's called uh Gokaiga Gosaiga Super Sentai 199 Hero Great Battle. <laughs> just fucking rules. It just okay. fucking rules. It's 199 Rangers doing battle. Again, this is that's the Jesus. poster. That's a lot of Rangers. Yeah, it's fucking great. And uh, so, again, the thing is... Actually, that's mostly Zords. That's mostly Megazords that you see around them. Because um, that's that's another thing that happens. Is they gather all the Zords, or whatever they call them. Uh, 
that fucking movie. I want to watch that movie right now. Um, <laughs> so like it, it, uh, the thing about them is so they can transform into all those things. And that means that the, 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 the red galleon ship also has a function where it can transform into variations of itself with additional added zords from past ranger series so like it it has like four or five uh, that the the ranger wikipedia has and it's like four or five different variations that include ranger zords from other series like the mystic ranger force the uh wild uh force whatever it was called and they all get different powers and do different things take different shapes and so there's a part of me that's like well that one is like having all your cake and eating it too like so the versatility, the fun, the flavor of being able to pick, like, it's like, what wish would you want? A million wishes. That's the ranger of a million wishes. Like, that's the zord that gets to choose. It could be any of the rangers. It could be any of the zords. So it's hard not to say that one. But, again, I would die if I drank from that grail. So I have to drink from the grail of the white ranger, the white tiger zord. It's just who I am. Sure. And I feel like I've earned saying that. <laughs> <laughs> I think you. I think you have. Because here's what, how definitive. I earned it. Okay. I have to I have to explain that shit every time someone sees my vanity plate, doesn't have any fucking clue what the Power Rangers are, but thinks people make vanity plates for good reason. They make them because they mean something. I wonder what this young chap's vanity plate means. Good sir. Pray tell. TGR. ZRD. What does that mean? Enlighten me. And then well, I have see, to look at can... them. Go ahead. And I have to say... Ugh. Okay, so... Okay, so here's my genius. We can just put a QR code on your license plate that links to this episode. Done. Whoa, that's actually pretty fucking sweet. I'm a pretty sweet guy. But what I have to do, what I've had to do in the past, is I've had to say... In the 1990s, there was a TV show called The Mighty Morphin <laughs> Power Rangers. In the Power Rangers series, this, the, the Rangers are superheroes that uh, took the power of to become superheroes from these like crystals or whatever they became superheroes they're teenagers with attitude and they became superheroes in addition to becoming superheroes they were also given uh giant robot mechas that they could drive around these machines were called zords these zords would transform in and combine to make one larger mega zord there were five rangers originally the sixth ranger piloting the dragon sword with the dragon ranger power eventually fell and became and turned into the white tiger ranger with white tiger zord powers my car is a white Ford Ranger. The White Ranger's vehicle is called the Tiger Zord. Ergo, White Ranger, TGR, ZRD, Tiger Zord. And then they go, Wow. I I don't know if I wanted I don't know if I want to know that now. And then I have to sit there and go. Okay. <laughs> Goodbye forever. <laughs> so anyway. So Voltron is what you say? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I liked it. Yeah. I feel you, man. You don't know what we had. You and Voltron? Yeah, it was, I, I liked it. Well, I'm, <laughs> I'm, 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 allowed, I'm glad, I'm grateful that you allowed me to babble at length about Zords. Because it's a... Not often I have the impetus or the, like, I don't have the excuse. I have the opportunity to say, no, 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 this is justified. This is relevant. I'm allowed to rant. <laughs> oh, this is, this is your origin story. Yeah. 
Um, well, you have any other notes in that chapter? I do not. Let's get the fuck out of it. What's the next chapter? Chapter 27. All right, here's what happens in chapter 27. Uh, in this chapter, Wade makes his way to the a planet designed after Rush's album 2112, or 2112. Uh, here he discovers a guitar embedded in a stone like Excalibur. Uh, Wade activates a clue by playing the song the puzzle was modeled after. Then Wade places the guitar on an altar and gets the crystal key. Unfortunately, the Sixers also have the key and figured out the next gate is at Halliday's Fortress in the Oasis. They've used a special magical item to encompass Halliday's castle in an impenetrable force field. Wade decides the best way to combat the Sixers is to enlist the remaining High Five to take IOI down together. So he's emailed each of them instructions on how to obtain the crystal key. When when Wade completes Black Dragon, not his, like, Ernest Klein's and... Uh, Halliday's favorite game when he beats it this animatic happens and part of the animatic includes this symbol this red star this image that if you loved Rush as much as everybody seems to you'd recognize as this image from this Rush album so ergo that's how he makes the connection to all these other things all these other parts of this clue so on Rush note on Rush I like Rush fine I don't love them uh, I never listened to them before this book. I specifically, I was like, what's this about? What's this rush? It's 2112. What's this? And I went and looked, and whatever, for whatever reason, it was like $5 that day for the album. I'm like, I'll check it out, listen to it. That was cool. Around the same time, I watched an episode of Chuck where they had secrets coded into a video game, and the person who made the game had coded them while listening to Tom Sawyer. Mm-hmm. So he had Chuck had to listen to Tom Sawyer by Rush while playing the video game to beat the game, which felt like a nod to this book. I don't know if it was how those lines how that lines up, but I was like, hmm, that's interesting because it's all happening at the same time. Um, and similarly, around the same time, I discovered uh, the book series The Expanse, which was turned into a TV show on Amazon Prime, where in that the main crew's ship is named the Rosinante, technically after Don Quixote's horse, but also in reference to a Rush song, I found out later. Uh, so that's all cool, but that's my extent of Rush. Did you do love Rush like you said everyone seems to? Um, I have a affection for, like, Tom Sawyer. I think that song rules. I think Limelight kind of rules. Um fly by night kind of rules. Um, I'm like, I'm one of those like shallow music people who really sure. likes the, the hits. Sure. Um, and occasionally like I'll decide a song is a hit and like it a lot, even if it's mm-hmm. not like actually a hit, but mm-hmm. like, I don't know if I've listened to any of the songs from that album. If I had, I wouldn't recognize them as being from that album. Two, one, one, two. Yeah. Oh, I think you, I think there are parts uh, cause it's like, it's a 20 minute song. That first mm-hmm. one, I think there are parts riffs. You'd be like, Oh, I've totally heard that before. Maybe. Maybe, yeah. I mean, I, th- I think that Rush has certainly has a sound, and, and when Rush is at its best, it sounds epic. Like, that's mm-hmm. the thing about Rush that kind of rules, is, like, Rush was able to figure out a sound to, like... Like, there's epic metal, like, there's power metal, and that sounds a certain way, and that's epic in its own right. Mm-hmm. Like, 
like man of war sounds like a certain thing but then there's like rush which sounds like an entirely different epic thing Mm -hmm. and it's not just like i I wouldn't even go as far as to like simply say it's like oh it's like a fantasy metal because it's not it's 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 more like a i don't even know how to describe it it's it's just it's because fantasy metal to me is like there's like blind guardian or there's like well, like Zeppelin has that album that's based on Tolkien, is it? Right, right. Would that be okay. Now, and I've never heard that, but when right. I've imagined it in my head, it's always sounded like what Rush ended up sounding like. See, that's not what it sounds like to me. Rush okay, sounds like that in space. I guess that's the thing to me. Is oh, like, okay. like Rush always sounds like like there's all there's this something about the the way that they had like maybe it's that Rush used synthesizers more than mm-hmm. than Zeppelin or any of those other metal bands I was talking about. So like the addition of like the synth sound is very spacey. Mm-hmm. Um so it's like if if there was a rock and roll version of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, it would be Rush. Okay. Okay. I will say uh on those once I've listened to Rush for a bit and then happened to hear Sticks. Right. Again, I'm like, "Oh shit, is Sticks a knockoff Rush?" which I had never realized. I don't know what their dates are, but that's what it immediately my brain went to. Yeah. Like, like, yeah, there's a lot of that. I can hear that. Yeah. Rush rules, I guess. Anyway, uh, you got anything else in that chapter? Uh, I noted that Wade hadn't even checked the scoreboard yet. Cause he just seems like driven by a different beast. Now it's interesting. He does eventually check it, but at this point he hasn't. Uh, yeah, I got one more thing. Wade, with a metal- prolonged metallic shink, pulls the axe, the guitar, out of the uh, sword in the stone stone and then plays on it. And he writes, but on virtual axe, I could totally shred. This is the moment. Really? This is the the, 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 the fucking straw too far. Really? Yeah. Why? I don't know. Because I think it was totally shred see okay i don't know maybe 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 that kind of articulation is not as hard as i imagine it to be maybe it's super easy to learn fast guitar um did you ever play guitar hero yeah i just imagine it's that like oh no like I imagine that like it's the it's equivalent in my head like I I know it's a real guitar but I'm saying like in terms of being able to do it digitally I'd assume the interface isn't as particular and as specific as playing a real guitar so in the in the same way that there are people who can really rock the shit out of Guitar Hero but wouldn't know what to do with a real guitar and likewise I remember when like one of the things that one of the promotional like Guitar Hero or rock band things that they did was they would get real musicians to come and they'd pay them to like play the game with children and be embarrassed about, oh my god, I'm Slash and I can't even play this Guitar Hero game. But you could be a Guitar Hero. You could be a Guitar God. Come and play my songs on this thing. Look at this six-year-old. They're doing it. You could too. No. This is this is like the Matrix. He learned in the Oasis how to play guitar. He never held one, but I bet if he picked up a real one other than being thrown off by the weight, he could totally rip it up. And it was just, I'm not saying people can't have talents. I'm not saying he couldn't have that talent. But to just be mentioned in two lines that he could totally shred and never came back, just never set it up, no. Fuck that. 
He's a goddamn Mary Sue. I mean, I think that that's just undeniably true. It's just more of like funny that this is your moment. <laughs> well, I'm sorry to have built it up so much. Then I because, thought like, it was obvious, especially later in these this chapter, like or in this in this episode, like he does so many more fucking like unchallenged oh, I'm not, things. I'm not saying that. I think I I'm I'm a pretty forgiving person when it comes to fiction, right? And the rules thereof, and the and the and the. Uh, the suspension of disbeliefs that are asked of me. But when they add up and they go too far, this is too far. See, I guess I look at it like, to me, and I haven't seen a lot of these movies, but I always feel like Ethan Hunt is kind of a Mary Sue. James Bond. Like, okay. all these, like, heroes that don't really have something to lose. Like, they have this... No, James Bond, definitely. Ethan Hunt's... It's been a long time since I've really sat and watched one of those movies, so I'm not sure. But James Bond definitely, right? Where they where they come in, and not only has he done the James Bond shit in the last seven movies, M's like, "What can you tell me about the Thai orchid?" And James Bond's like, "Well, only grows in the X Y Z hemisphere." And fuck, shut up! What what is? Why are we doing this? Have a walk on. Who's like, oh, the flower does this? And you're like, great, good to know. Moving on. Yeah, it only grows on the west facing like side of the uh, Lagorthan Mountain that, and it can only be harvested in the rainy seasons of August by the uh, n- the spelunkers who can dive into the caves where the flower blooms among moss and and uh, guano. Stop showing off, 007. I mean, I just know about this. <laughs> this is not my fault that I know. Like and I know who to pay to get there. You have to you have to bypass the uh the honeycomb fields of of the killer bees that block the cave's entrance, and only the uh, the you know indigenous people of the area know the tricks about how to delicately weave yourself through the crevasses and and the stinging deadly uh, insectoids to get down to the uh, mossy area where the bat guano has provided fertile perch for these uh, flower seedlings. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I just want to keep doing those eyes at you. But again, it's not It's not a visual show. No, um, no it's not. Um, do you have any notes on this chapter? Chapter. Chapter, the reckoning. Um, no. <laughs> um, I, I, to me, what makes Wade a Mary Sue is that every challenge he has is written like a fucking video game walkthrough. There's no actual challenge for this guy. He already has all the answers. He knows how to do everything. He just has to have it click to show him uh, what part of his infinite knowledge he is forgetting at this moment, but totally knows as soon as it clicks on. Even, I don't know. Even he, he doesn't know how to handle people. Even when he... Yeah, he does. Even when he finds himself in the real world in the next couple of chapters, like he still is able to do everything he would do in the fictional world of the Oasis. I mean, he pissed off H and Artemis. That's not... Okay. Okay, and you know what? And I bet they'll never forgive him. I bet there will never be a moment where those characters work it out because there was a simple misunderstanding because really they all know what he meant in the end. You'll have to read the book to find out. I am reading the book, and I think I found out. Um, (laughs) Shit. uh, So, no, I'm done. And that brings us to... Level 3, Chapter 28. So the... I've got I've got a note on the first. I got page. a summary. Is that, do you want me to give me a summary? You no, I want I want to do my note first. Good. Oh, that explores. <laughs> you never studied. 
Because, okay, so for those of you just listening, uh, earlier this week, I, I think it was announced that, was it Shout Factory? Yeah. That Shout Select was releasing a new Blu-ray edition of the Explorers movie that's referenced in this chapter. Wade, again, makes a comment of, I definitely watch this movie all the time because I have nothing but time to watch movies and do everything else all at once. Uh, but, you know, it grounds me. And I was like, I was like, oh, is this? And I looked up the movie because I don't think I've ever seen it. And I was like, eh, it looks fucking weird. It's Joe Dante, it. man. It's Joe Dante classic. It's got Robert Picardo in it. The hologram from Voyager. I know who Robert... Oh, I don't know what you know. Fucking Ginny Clearly, Lewis. clearly you don't. Clearly I don't know Robert Picardo? No, clearly you don't know what you know. Gremlins 2, Robert Picardo? Yeah, Joe Dante film. I know! Small Soldiers. Joe Dante film! One-fourth of the Twilight Zone film. Although I know Robert Picardo. We, was that your point? You just want to shout Robert Picardo at me for three minutes? Do you, you want to say something else? So anyway, I, I, I saw that this movie was getting released on Blu-ray. And I sent uh, a uh, the link to it to Rob. And I was like, whoa, coincidence or something? I don't remember what I said. Um, and then you were like, this means nothing to me. I reject your like your outstretched hand. What is this? And you slapped it away virtually. It's a pretty standard text exchange. And you were like, get this away from me. Who are you? This is my flat. That's what you kept yelling at me. And I was like, I don't know what that means. Why do you keep saying that? And then you looked at me coldly and you're like, this is my flat. Isn't it? And it was just sad because I knew that your mind had gone. It's like that new movie that they're advertising. (laughs) (laughs) Anthony Hopkins? Yep. Yep. Sir Anthony Hopkins. Tony. Anyway, and so now that explains the note, everyone, who's the, the – uh, all you real people who are definitely listening, um, that's what Rob's note was of, oh, that explorers. Cause my no comment back studying. To him, my comment back to him was, oh, so cl- not – you haven't done the uh, – you haven't done the reading, have you? And then he was like, shut up. And I was like, okay. Okay. Anyway, um, so that's your one note. You know, can I do the summary note. now? Yeah, go for it. All right, in this chapter, uh, IOI agents break into Wade's apartment and detain him for out- his outstanding debts to the company. He destroys his computer because all his possessions are uh, would be confiscated and auctioned off, and the and the profits would be deducted from his uh, debt. And he doesn't want them to get a hold of any of his gear, or any of his, anything that could incriminate him or identify him as Wade Watts, all of or or Parzival, all of which would be available in that computer. So he torches it. Um, and these guys, when they break in, they like use like welding gear and shit. It's mm-hmm. like crazy. Like they cut was, through the door. They cut through not only the door but also his war door, his like security door, his big metal like solid thing that he had installed to protect himself from exactly this. Which again, if you're imagining a world where this is a product that's not only manufactured but maybe necessary, that's a pretty dismal, shitty world to live in. I, again, the people in his apartment. If 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 the world building's supposed to make you understand why people will kill themselves, uh, good job, Ernest Klein. Um, so then he's he is arrested he or detained he's not really arrested he's detained and placed in a vehicle with other detainees with other indentured servants they call them indents um, and are shipped off to IOI to be in processed uh, and that's basically what happens in this chapter it's 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 
and here's the more Mary Sue bullshit is it's not just like this doesn't just happen. It's clearly orchestrated. Like it's part of some master plan that Parzival has and that he's just on the he's just ever so close to finishing. If only these pesky pages weren't in the way, the book would be over already. And that's the <laughs> thing that bums me out about it. Is oh. It feels like it feels it feels like there isn't really there aren't really stakes here. This character never loses. Mm-hmm. Like you mentioned, asking a couple uh, a couple episodes ago that if, if if he was at his lowest point yet or something, and I I'm hoping that that happens. Oh, okay. But like, I don't think it will. Yeah, why not? Yeah, I I think that it like it just won't, and that that I think that'll just feel cheap. Like, I think you're supposed to feel like him losing Artemis was the low point. But, like, also all of his family's been murdered and he didn't care. Right. Like, it didn't affect him. I mean, he him. did say he, he sobbed while telling H all that. But oh, then that's he, one line. He that's enough. He, he could totally shred, too. Yeah, and, and, and Harry and Ginny snogged all afternoon. The end. Romance completed. <laughs> Obligation satisfied. It just sucks. Um... That's all I got for that chapter, and that should, if I'm assuming you're done, that should bring us to... Chapter 29. All right. Summary. Uh, Wade goes through the IOI HR orientation, which includes being forcibly washed, like uh, uh, Bruce Willis in Fifth Element, or not Fifth Element, in 12 Monkeys, one of those numbers, uh, indoctrinated and fitted with observation gear, including like an ear ear piercing that has like a camera on it that watches where he goes like like imagine one of those like bluetooth headsets but it's a camera that's watching what you're watching and an ankle monitor knowing that he's all bald and uh-huh. has the earpiece and in those cheap robes i would have liked that by itself as an allusion to thx 1138 if they hadn't called it out right right but they called it out and i was like they called oh. it out. uh he's also given uh, a new residence where he lives and he'll stay for the remainder of his sentence, which was a lot like, I think the best way to describe it, at least as far as it seems in the, in the book is it's a lot like what you'd imagine the residents truckers have in their rigs. You know, that little like cabinet area behind them. That's just like a little bunk with a couple of cubby holes and a bed. Mm-hmm. That's what it feels like, except yeah. there's also like a monitor and a TV and a place to sit. I, so I, I, like, I imagine it's like a lot like the cab of a pickup truck. Or a oh, funny. Truck, rather. I always imagine it's like one of those, uh, those Japanese, you know, cubby hotels. Oh, yeah. Pods. Pods. Um, That's all I've got. All right, I got a couple more notes. Okay. Page 229. Uh, I kind of wonder what the people who actually work at IOI, like, make. Like, how much money do those people make? Because there are people who's, who's in this world whose job it is to go around and break into people's apartments and forcibly detain them and clean up their vomit and clean up like a whole bunch of other like horrible shit and deal with that. And their that job sounds awful. So if we're looking at the economy of this world, that job would have to pay so much more than, than the amount of money it takes to just live in the oasis because the Oasis is so much better and fun and people seem to be able to get access to it for free. All they need to do is afford the haptic gear or whatever. And then they can like just lose themselves in this fictional world. But these guys, they have an awful real world and they do that for like probably 40 hours a week or, or more in this hellscape. Um, 
mean, you still got to eat. You still got to, you know, have a place to to have a roof over your heads to use your haptic gear. No, you don't. Like they talk about that in this in later episodes. Or Most later people chapters. are going to want that though. You don't want rain shorting out your IOI exper- equipment. It's true, but there's and a, if you're not like if you're not if you're people. out on the street, more people are likely to mug you for your gear. True. Um, I mean, it's still, all right it's, there in the text. It just also made me wonder about the people who actually work in the office jobs at, at IOI. Like, how much sure. do they make when they also have the right to enslave people, like, and force them to do stuff? It just it's just the whole economy kind of like it gets very complicated, um, and I don't know if it's all that solid not like it has to be it just it occurs to me that like there seems to be a, a, a lot of things going on all at once and if you can if you can have forced labor if you can have slave labor why would you ever pay anyone why wouldn't mm-hmm. you just make it your business to make people indebted to you so that you could force them to do jobs for you and then eventually you or like it's like having a private prison system like if you're if you're incentivized to incarcerate people, perhaps you're going to make incarcerating people an incentive for the people who arrest people, like cops or DAs. And then it becomes kind of tricky, like, well, are are American citizens just chattel for corporations now? And shouldn't that not happen? Right. Um like should people lose their freedom so that some fat cat gets a quota? Uh I don't think so, but whatever. So that's another part of this world that successfully makes it seem like a hellscape but makes me curious about the economy um page 229 another note i did not like the prosthetic testicle joke it felt cheap the guy, and unearned. To, the, the guy in front of me had a super advanced microcomputer hidden in a prosthetic testicle talk about balls or something like it sure took balls or something like no that. talk about balls Talk about balls. Ugh. Yes. Yeah, that sucked. I hated that. I'm sorry. Oh, it's not your fault. It just like it, it felt unearned. It's like it's just it's just it's like it's like that to me is the literary equivalent of saying that's what she said. It's like that's not a joke. <laughs> that's not clever. That's just that's not a thing. Still that's just, funny after all these years. It's just forced. Anyway, all right, moving on. That brings us to chapter thirty. Here's the summary. Wade walks us through how he's gotten away with executing his plan to access IOI intranet operating systems and fooling the security system. Once inside, Wade finds all the IOI observation data on the High Five and the egg that Nolan Sorrento and his oologists have collected. Uh, Wade steals all that data and is planning to make an early escape. Uh, so at this point, we also know that Wade has become like he, he works in sort of like the IOI tech service area, and he like works with people who are having trouble accessing their gear or utilizing the Oasis or whatever or something they purchased from IOI. And in the meantime, he lives in this again this sort of hellish like Soylent Green style world where he just gets the bare minimum of his of his stuff required, and he's constantly monitored, or his, his he gets the bare minimum of his needs met by this corporation and he's constantly monitored and just works in this horrible place. So, um, yeah, there's that. I have a note on page 292. Okay. Do you have any notes, actual notes? I, I've got a couple notes, but nothing spe- page specific. I got two, two more page specific stuff. So two, uh, 292, the Sixers have every audible word that Artemis has ever spoken while clearing the first two gates. 
so that means that every date she and Parzival went on, they've got transcripts of, at least from her side of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but, but perhaps, and this again might feel like very convenient writing and therefore not really that clever. They don't have the text conversations, presumably, between Artemis and Parzival. Arguably. Like they, they don't have access to her like, emails. Right, or they her, just bugged or, her room. Right. So the the early conversation we had in the earlier chapters where they just spoke through text sounds like it conveniently protects them. Unless she used voice to text. Unless she used voice to text. Um, but why wouldn't she just have a phone call then? Because um, she's busy fighting a thing. But if it's the same function of just like talking and she can do that and fight the thing but you can cast you can read a thing you know speak off a missive real quick and then go back to her battle as it's making its way to wade i i don't see a functional difference i guess is my problem between being on the phone and talking into a robot like you're still talking into a receiver each way but you can take more breaks at your leisure i guess but that's not really indicated in the text chat no I'm just so, offering you an alternative. I don't think that works. I'm sorry, okay. Rob. It doesn't make sense. And you're, okay. uh, you should you should be removed from the room. Um. <laughs> it's getting late. My next note. Yeah. Do you think Ernest Klein knows how creepy Wade sounds when he talks about how beautiful Samantha is while cyberstalking her? No, I don't. I don't and either. That's, that's, that's my note is this she don't know she's beautiful mentality and isn't he such a hero for for being able to being brave enough to tell her yeah yeah she just needs it man first of all he comes in sees her picture and goes that's what you were worried about no i can use my status as a guy to tell you i find you worthy and you have worth because I think yes. you're pretty, regardless of this thing that you. That's don't like. the part. The part is that he gets to come in and 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 assure her that she has value to him. Yes, is that he he gets the authority to tell her that she's valuable because couple, of her appearance. Couple things about this: it is a late teen, early twenty attitude. That's why that song "You Don't Know You're Beautiful" is popular at all. I can see it being a realistic characteristic, but that's not really how it's being portrayed. Not being portrayed like it's a negative thing. And then at the end, when he writes the letter, he actually, you know, underlines, like, I know you have this issue and I'm going to bring it out of the open and say, hey, you're even more beautiful in person. You know, parenthetical, get it? Because, like, your face, but uh, I'm allowing that to be okay. It just felt so gross. Yeah, it does. It, it feels. It, I mean, all of the parts where Ernest Klein writes about being like romantic or flirty, come off either uncomfortably realistic as a nerd, yeah, or or like borderline like just awkwardly like us like just awkwardly assertive, like you would be if you were a nerd. Yeah. Um. But I, well, in, I, it, in this way, it feels like aggressive, like creepy, like. I've seen you. I think you're beautiful. Like, that's not something someone should say. Now, again, I'm reading that extra tone into it because at this point they already are, like, essentially broken up. They have had 
a relationship of some kind. So right. It's unfair to project that onto his character. I don't think it's unfair, especially since, at least from Wade's point of view, she broke up with him. I mean, besides all the reasons, the the, the reasons with merit that she had, because she has this attitude about herself that he needs to correct. I it, it feels like a valid argument. Yeah. Yeah. Gross. That's all I got in this chapter. Um, I, I, I did like there was a Sam Lowry ref reference when ref. he had the, uh, the, um, the, 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 the data, the, what, the thumb drive delivered to a made up Sam Lowry at a desk and he just stopped in and grabbed it. That was fun. That's a, who's Sam Lowry? Brazil reference. Oh, Jonathan yeah. Price's character. Yeah. What's H's, what, what's H's name's reference? I don't know. Oh, I know he mentions H's. Uh, he, the he, they this. say what it is. He knows it's a fake name used oh, by. Right. Oh, Jack Burton in uh, that movie. I haven't seen that often. Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah. All right. Anything else? Nope. Well, that brings us to chapter 31. All right. Here's a summary of chapter 31. Go for it. Wade escapes from IOI. Miraculously read the book to find out because it's just. It's Mary Sue-ish. That's where, it's, that's where it gets for me, is it's like, it just works out. He just walks out the front door. Like, literally just walks out. Oh, I by the way, I had made purchases for all of these convenient things I needed weeks ago. I had so much foresight and so much ability to plan in real the real world, a place I have so much experience having complete agency in, that uh, I was able to make this fucking happen. I was able to Ocean's Eleven out of this, like, in crazy impenetrable fortress of people who murder people simply for existing and playing a game with me. Um, yeah, it just, that's, that was my camelback moment where it was like, when is he going to face challenge? It's funny because my note, which is referencing these last three chapters is this is all super fun, (laughs) (laughs) but I want to qualify because all of your points are valid. They're completely valid. Um, I do really like that the book takes a break from what it's been doing. Sure. It becomes kind of a spy novel for a bit and it's something different. Sure. Um, and that is fun. And I think getting yourself committed to a prison that you then have to break out of with intelligence or something would make a great Mission Impossible episode or a great movie in its own right. And, you know, the backstory could be seeded throughout it and you like realize by the end, oh, shit, this is a big thing. But and you get just a little hint of that here. But that would be a fun story. And I do find myself engaging with these three chapters, even though your observations are correct. The idea of the spy novel that's main character is an IT guy is fine. Mm-hmm. And, and and this is a good version of that. It's just like, th- this is the th- almost the end of the book. And sure. this character doesn't really seem to, he doesn't really seem to face adversity. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot of wish fulfillment all the time. Sure. And I, I guess I, I'm looking for a, a little bit of salt with my sugar. I mean, that's what a strong story is, right? It's conflict. It's not, if I were in, you know, if I had these powers, I would just do this. And you're like, well, it's a short fucking book. That's really boring. Right. You need the conflict that drags you down and constantly you have to fight and you get, you overcome it. And if he doesn't have real conflict to overcome, it's not that engaging. This book is, this book is a lot like if I ran the zoo, (laughs) except if it's, if I ran, wow. Like, uh, 
like you said, if I ran the zoo, it's a short book. And it doesn't really go anywhere. <laughs> and it's and it's written for people who don't have a lot of higher, you know, facilities yet. Yep. Um, yeah. It's, it's as complex as a five-year-old's imagination. Yep. So um, he, there's he, also a there's also a title reference. Is another uh, Brazil. Yay! Sure. Yay! Yay! Gilliam. Um, there's a. So he 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 again goes and he picks up all these convenient like things that he's hidden and pre-ordered months ago. He he apparently purchased a like a PO box and had a portable like haptic rig or whatever or money or some shit delivered there and he also like he reactivated his old identity and uh raced Bryce Lynch. Erased Bryce Lynch went and bought brand new threads that look super cool and they're also like you can kind of like access the oasis through them but like it's not awesome it's not like the best like so he has to like go like actually get like looped See, into so a he's real, struggling like, yeah, he's, it's, like, really tough for him. He's really got to spend the money and then also go to another place to spend more money, something that he just has plenty of, uh, to sit in a huge, like, haptic game chair for 12 hours while he um, finishes the book. And <laughs> He uploads uh, all the data. He's... Contacts the rest of the high five. Contacts the high five. Well, high four now. Um, sends missives to all networks and everything saying look at the Sixers killing people and threatening me and blowing up stacks and murdering Shoto uh Daito I yeah that's yeah. where we leave it well he well he also no oh. we have one more oh. thing oh one more thing he also buys a fucking gun like a real gun from a vending machine he does buy a gun from a vending machine and while that is a scathing indictment of where we are heading I don't remember if that comes into play. That well, that's my that's my note is that this is our future. I really do feel like we're gonna have gun vending machines in our country, and that that's gun vending machines, body armor vending machines, all in high schools. Every high school is gonna have the option for you to go buy yourself a gun so you don't so you make sure you're not a victim of the next mass shooter. Mm-hmm. Like that's like why is this acceptable? <laughs> it's just it's so frustrating. It's so frustrating. We did an episode so long ago when like I think it was in our first season when right after Parkland happened and it was awful and nothing's changed. Like we don't we, because of COVID, weirdly a lot more a lot more people have died thanks to COVID, but we haven't had a lot of mass shootings in schools cuz people aren't going anywhere. So there's no place for people to congregate to make these psychopaths, like, easy targets. Um, to make easy targets for these psychopaths. So anyway. Ugh. Fucking terrible world. So it's a weird, it's a bit of a bummer. It felt like, again, my, my problem is that it felt a little, again, too convenient. So many things in this section of the book are just so convenient for Wade. That it's just, like you said, it, stories are supposed to be about conflict and have conflict. This dude doesn't. He just doesn't have it. Um... And that and that is where we leave it. Um, is he has purchased, uh, he's rented out a space and a place to set up with a uh, high speed connection to the Oasis that is not owned by IOI, that is owned by Gregarious or is open or is independent or whatever. 
all that jazz. While he disappeared, he did get messages from H and Shoto, and even one from Artemis going, where are you? And he was able to not answer them back. He'd show them all. Well, didn't he, wait, didn't he send her an email saying, get the fuck out of your house, they know where you are? He did, he did, he did. Okay. I'm just saying, you know, by not being logged in, he had the power. Oh, man. You love, you love knowing who has the power. It's never me. (laughs) Um, well, I guess we're going to finish this book next episode. Um, I am excited. I, I, I mean, I, I am enjoying it. It's just like, it gets to a point where the, the convenience of all of his challenges gets grating and gets to be a bit much. And that's totally fair. That's, uh... It's it, it engaged at the beginning and then it kind of levels off. But maybe the final battle will be amazing. Yeah, I have a feeling it's just going to be more lists of, of character names doing lists of actions with other <laughs> characters listed. And I have to do all the work of putting it in my brain and going, all right. Wait, so like, you're saying like Spawn like, kicks Egon in the balls and I'm supposed to be like, Whoa, I never thought that would happen. Can you believe that that happened? Fuck, what an insanely cool book. Why, wait, why is Sonic punching the Lorax? That I never could have imagined that that would happen. Did you ever hear that song, The Ultimate Showdown of Ultimate Destiny? No. That is what this book is going to be like. It's a song from uh, from Lemon Demon. It's a uh, let's see when was this song made? Jesus, two thousand five. Here, I'll just read to you a stanza. I read you the first two stanzas, okay, yeah. or the first two chunks. Old Godzilla was hopping around Tokyo City like a big playground, when suddenly Batman burst from the shade and hit Godzilla with a bat grenade. Godzilla got pissed and began to attack, but didn't expect to be blocked by Shaq, who proceeded to open up a can of Shaq Fu when Aaron Carter came out of the blue. And he started beating up Shaquille O'Neal, then they both got flattened by the Batmobile, but before he could make it back to the Batcave, Abraham Lincoln popped out of his grave and took an AK-47 from under his hat and blew Batman away with a -a rat-a-tat-tat. But he ran out of bullets, and he ran away because Optimus Prime came to save the day. Uh, and it just goes on like that. I where... don't think any of those characters were acting within their uh, personal motivations. Who's Aaron Carter? Aaron Carter is uh, Nick Carter's younger brother. Nick Carter was one of the Backstreet Boys. Aaron okay. Carter and Nick okay. Carter essentially like prefabricated pop stars. Sure, sure, who, sure, sure. sure. Um, I, just, I wasn't expecting that in the pantheon of mentioned characters. Well, the reason it's it is in there is because Aaron Carter had a song called uh, like something like "The Day I Beat Shaq" or something, and it's just like it's this it's this narrative song about how no one believes that I had Shaq over to my house and I beat him on one on one basketball. So Shaquille O'Neal being in this song at this moment causes like who's Shaquille O'Neal's greatest rival? It's not Kobe Bryant. It's not like the annals of basketball greats. It's definitely Aaron Carter. Okay. I mean, I'm just saying that's that's I'm explaining the reference. Sure. No, yo, I I appreciate that. It just I'd rather hear more about the song. 
Angels sang out in an immaculate chorus. Not that much. Down better. from the heavens descended Chuck Norris, who delivered a kick which could shatter bones into the crotch of Indiana Jones, who fell over on the ground, writhing in pain as Batman changed back into Bruce Wayne. I don't think I like that song. That's what I imagine the end of this book's going to be like. Okay. We'll see if you're right. We'll see. All right. Well, I think that that has been Death Readers. I have no new words. Do you have any new words? I don't. Then that was Death Readers. In our next episode, we'll be finishing off the book, reading through chapters 32 to the end. Yes. Um, so make sure you tune into our book wrap party where we will decide what we're reading next. Rob's favorite part of the entire experience. Yay. Um, and also all the sweet references I get to, you know, explain to you. Yes, thank you. All right, well, uh, that was Death Readers. I'm Doug. I'm Rob. Thanks for listening. Thank you. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. These reviews help new listeners find us and join the discussion. Follow us on Twitter and like our new Facebook page for Death Readers News. Become a patron at Patreon slash Death Readers. And please discuss us extensively on Reddit. That's not Voltron, is it? That's the Megazord. Ah. This is me trying to make a Lego Megazord out of only parts I have. Wouldn't that be a Lego Zord? Well, technically it's Voltron. It's based on Voltron's Lego Voltron's body mm -hmm. that I'm trying to make adjustments to. I don't need this. But see, the difference is the difference mm. is that Megazord has he's got the 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 blue leg on his left. And the red and the yellow leg on his right, um, Voltron. It's flipped. The, the can you can you flip those legs? I could, but that would be wrong. Um, the well, Voltron's right leg is blue, and mm -hmm. his left leg's yellow. So what I did, he hear me out. I took the Lego Voltron model, mm. and I started building Voltron's right leg, just using yellow pieces. I mean, I don't see how it can fail. Except okay. that I don't have yeah. enough pieces. <laughs> I don't have the right colors or the right ones to is finish there, it. Is there a Lego Voltron kit? I thought there was. Yeah. Yeah. I have it. I just don't want to open yeah. it because it's awesome. Sure. The box is great. Sure. sure. And I like my my goal is if it, I want to have a Lego Voltron and a Lego Megazord that can be best friends, that can go on mega adventures together. And one's like, I'm all lions. And the other one's like, I have a tiger as a leg. And then Voltron's like, you're so much cooler than me, Megazord. Be my best friend. And Megazord's like, you got it. What kind of adventures do you want to go on? And Voltron's like, I don't know. How about we go kick the Transformers asses? And then Megazord's like, that sounds like a morphonomical time. And then they like. A morphonomical time. And then they jump into space. Saying. Yeah, and you see a lot, all the lines of the stars like stream behind them, and you hear like sound effects, and then they land on Cybertron, and they're like, "Guess what, mother truckers? We're not actually robots in the same way you are. We're not sentient. We are just machines, as it should be, piloted by humans." How could they be friends then, Doug? None of this holds up. I'm anthropomorphizing them. <laughs> well, then they are the same as the Transformers. No. Because they're still... You know what? 
I feel like you just miss it. I feel like you don't get it, and I'm taking it to Netflix. <laughs> fine. Like fine. Like I'm just I'm fine with saying this is creative differences. Mm-hmm. But I I'm gonna go I'm gonna go down to Burbank and talk to Netflix. Enjoy. Oh, I will. I'm gonna enjoy my millions now that they're getting all these new subscribers. Okay. Great. Yeah. I hate millions. Enjoy them all. I hate millions. That'd be the best thing for someone millions. to say. <laughs> I hate millions. Ooh, look at me. I hate them. So, you know, the Megazord, he's uh, inspired by the giant robots from the Super Sentai series that the Power Rangers is based on. And that series is uh-huh. called Super Sentai uh, Zoo Ranger. And uh, I think in that series, their giant robots aren't actually like they're not like cars they're, they're they're still pilotable they still have like seats in them and all that but i think they're actually supposed to be like ancient dinosaur gods or something so like they are autonomous they have their own personalities and desires um and they get mad at the at the sentais the zeo rangers um so that's kind for, of funny. For, pilot, for piloting them around? For, like, putting them in danger or, like, huh. you know, making them get hurt or, like, screwing up. Does that come up in the Power Rangers show or in the Sentai version? Only in the Sentai version. Interesting. In the Power Ranger version, they're basically just cars. Right. Did you have a favorite? Of the setup? Yeah. I mean, it's hard not to like the T-Rex. Or The problem with these Rangers, or these Zords, is that... Specifically, the ones oh, that make so up confusing. the Megazord. Um, I for, yeah, I forget. I forget that there's. Oh, how, it, take me through it. Very simple. I I know Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. What did they have originally? This guy. That they guy have, right there. They have the Megazord. That's his name. He's the Megazord. He's the Dino Megazord. Technically, is what he's called. When he's broken down, like just a blue leg, does that have its own name, the Blue Zord, or does it? Is it like Henry? Well, it's the it's the Triceratops Zord. Okay. Okay. And then, and then, yeah. So there's that one. Then there's the saber tooth tiger yellow one. Then there's did that come? Did that, so that was, was that the second edition of Zord? Did, was it a big thing in the show when the Zords changed, or did they just come back season two? Oh, now we've got saber tooth tigers. No, no, no. You don't understand. This one is a saber tooth tiger. Okay. So when they had the next Megazord, mm-hmm. was that a big deal? Yes, always. What what happened there? Did they find a cave where there was these guys these got destroyed? Oh. These Zords got destroyed and could okay. couldn't come back. And then Zordon's like, "We've made you new Zords. It's time we found these other Zords, these other enormous things. Check it out!" And then like they pull them up, and it's like, and it's the uh, I think the second Zords were the. I think they were the Thunder... Was it the Thunder Zord? It was the Ninja Zord. I don't remember. Because it's hard because they, like... They have different, like... <sighs> okay, I know I know what they looked like. In the second... So the first iteration was Triceratops, Sabertooth Tiger, T-Rex, Mastodon, Pterodactyl. Okay. Not including the, uh, the Six Ranger stuff. The extra Ancillary Ranger uh, sure. and his Zords. Uh, and then they made the Megazord. And then there was also extra Zords that would come in and do some funky stuff. But anyway, the second iteration of Zords, I'm fairly certain, were the Thunder Zords. That's it. It's the Thunder Megazord. That was an entirely different Zord. Thunder Megazord kind of rules. Thunder Megazord was based on mythological creatures. 
So Thunder and, and like as a kid, you don't know what they fucking are, and they don't. I don't even think they talk about them in the show. But the Thunder Megazord, as far as I remember, was the body was the basically a uh, the Black Ranger was a like a Chinese tiger or a Chinese lion. You know those that what that looks yep, like. Yep, like in the parades. Right, and he has like this huge green circle like in the center of his chest. The, okay, I think um, I've seen that actually. The Yellow Ranger, I believe, or the the Blue Ranger, I believe, was a unicorn. The Yellow Ranger, I believe, was a Kirin. I don't even know what that is. Uh, a Kirin, as far as I understand, is like a, 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 I think it's a Japanese spiritual, like, horse or deer creature. Hmm. Um, the, the Pink Ranger flew a phoenix, and the Red Ranger had a, a, a like, a Chinese dragon or a japanese dragon the like so lots lots of wavy like like imagine sure. a a more draconic a draconic like falcor sure. um even though obviously falcor is a luck dragon he's also a dog um right. this is much more of like a serpentine uh like red dragon and then the next series of ranger zords were i believe the it was either the Thunder, or it was either the uh, the Shogun Megazord or the Ninja Megazord, but I, my bet is it's Ninja, because that one corresponded with the movie, the, the, the film that came out, and the Ninja Megazord was back to animals. So, like, mm-hmm. it went dinosaurs, mythical creatures, to animals. And the animals, I believe, were a red ape, a... yellow bear a blue wolf a frog and a crane hmm. and then the ancillary sixth ranger also had stuff um and then his zord would when he was a good guy kind of mount the other zord to make a super mega zord yeah the Got the, the ninja mega zord's sixth zord was a white falcon and it kind of fucking ruled like it would like it had huge wings and it was like the equal size as the the zord and it would turn its wings forward and fire fucking rockets out of the ends of its wings and just blast the fuck out of anything so when there was this transition from one set of zords to another were you excited for what was to come or were you unhappy because you really loved the ones that were currently zording oh it's it was a cornucopia of emotions it would be both disappointment that that a cool badass zord like the regular dino megazord wouldn't come back and mm-hmm. also potentially deep disappointment because the zords you were getting might suck um did that ever happen where the zords you hated or just felt yeah, like crushing the, disappointment the shogun megazord kind of sucks um yeah uh he's basically really blocky um and all the zords that came around him were really blocky like i that's the best way i can describe it they just like they're blocky. Well, like, what do you call that? Like, that's just... It's uh, pretty pretty blocky. doesn't look like he's got a lot of arm movement. He doesn't. And and the, the things that he's made up of also don't have arm, like, any sort of movement. They, sure. They all look like simple variants of of basically this. Like, they all look like that. No, I mean, so, he, so he, looks like, he looks like Starscream has been doing steroids. Yeah, he sucks. Um... But then you also move into like like after that point it just sort of got nuts and you'd get like the turbo zord and all this other stuff and it's just like ugh. um 
And then sometimes you get other cool ones and, you know, it is what it is. But let's talk about this episode because this might come up in this episode. Okay. Something similar might just very well be something we talk to at further extent in this show. So That's been Zord Talk. So, yeah, that's been Zord Talk. Also, this is all at the end of the episode, so you also heard all the other shit I said about so insightful yeah uh this is all ex- ex- i won't talk about this obviously in the past what will have had been the past yeah what will have just had think been... fourth dimensionally man i'm i'm thinking it it's just it's Psst. been a long day of thinking i'm living it i mean eventually you'll be dying it too you guys want to listen to me play duolingo see if we can make this work Yo, come tu, como el comes. God damn it. Well, that's all I had. I lost all my stuff. It's so hard. The conjugation of Kome is like, it's ridiculous. I think it must be Como, Kome, Comes. Or is the S, am I mixing that up because I'm insisting that the S is like plural or something? God, it's so, why? Why must it be this way? I got this little egg in the intro area of my learn to speak Spanish. It's like wiggling at me like Yoshi ready to pop from a... Very Japanese setting, not an Italian setting, a very Koopa world that's a fake place. It's not real. And once again, because you're all listening, Mario, yes, Italian character, also Japanese character. The word character was the thing. He doesn't listen. He doesn't understand. It's it's aggravating. It's like, just pay attention. All right. Yeah. You ready? Yeah. Must leave her, brother. McLeod, this is the quickening. Right, right, right. Oh my! I only have so many Sean Connery quotes. Go Take your time. Go to different movies. No, what? <laughs> I can't say that. That's an no. That's that's bad. Let my armies be the rocks and the trees and the birds in the sky. Entrapment what is what cops. Due to thieves. <laughs> Let's have a little fun with Mr. Goldfinger. Felix, say hello to Dink. Dink, say goodbye to Felix. Man talk. Good girl. Aw. Right? That's a sad one. That's a sad one, but it's not the saddest, so. <sighs> this, I thought this was. The, oh, here we go. I'm only borrowing your Humvee! So instead of calling me Dragon in one tongue, You'll call me Dragon in another. I'm calling you Draco. <laughs> dragon. I would be honored to be named after those stars. <laughs> That's all I've got. You don't have anything from from Last Crusade? I did. That was I, that was one of the first ones I did. I don't know any of these references. Let my what? armies be the rocks and the trees and the birds in the sky. The gun is good. The penis is evil. Not him, but I don't think. I don't think he says that one but it's a movie he's in you promised you would never bring that movie up again i mean i I promised that i would never bring it up for more than four hours at a time and if i did i would call my doctor well that brings us to no go ahead nope come on don't waste come on man just do it I'm, i'm i'm begging i was so wrong please do it i know that you're begging that means I have the power. I'm at your mercy. I'm at your mercy. Please, please tell me. Oh no, no please. Mercy. Tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me. Please. No mercy. Please. For you. Okay, so. Okay. <laughs> so then the question becomes like. 
Can you do me a favor and turn your Zord to face the camera? Thank you. I was very distracted by him facing the wall like he was in timeout. Didn't like it. All right, well, if that's the case, I'll be right back. I don't know how that could have segued into anything. Hmm. All right, I'm back. <laughs> With a tiger sword? How could you not? He's so cool. If ever there was a time where he got to have the spotlight, it's now. You should see the twinkle in his eyes. Sorry, 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 sorry. We're we're best friends. This isn't <laughs> gonna play on the podcast because it's visual. <laughs> clash, clash, clash. Ah, we're best friends. There we All go. Right. Well, um, you could put the one on the folding table behind you on the other side, and they'd be like a little angel and a demon. Excellent. Um, I got more Zords, by the way. I could get all of them. Oh, anyway. <laughs> uh, 